guy has amazing craftsmanship. And what he did was he took like this American flag, right? And it's got like all, all these wavy lines to it. Dude, it's, I'll have to send you a picture later. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's fucking badass, dude. And uh, then we went out to breakfast and that was pretty much it. My sister had some friends over and we just like fucking, dude, we had a fire, dude. Dude, I had fucking s'mores, Ryan. Dude, Ryan. Dude, fucking s'mores, bro. Fucking you know, I don't I don't have s'mores. What? I mean, so you know those um Italian ices? You get in the Dude, I had uh, yes, absolutely. I fucking so love those things. So that's my sweets. Like mm -hmm. every once in a while I want some something sweet. Mm. Not usually though. I'm a mm. salty guy. I want salt. I want that salt. I want that. Oh I want that. I want that deep salt. I want savory umami. Mm, yeah, that salt, salty stuff. You, 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 so during the winter, if I like, look, if I come across Colorado, anything, I'm gonna eat it. if I come across Colorado and I see you in the middle of the road just licking for salt, you're like, like them goats, fucking, the mm, like licking them salts. Need them, need them minerals. Well, dude, that's cool, man. Yeah, no, well, so, no, that's cool for you. You just told me you're, 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 you're for it. I did, I did. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time, dude. It was low, low key. You know, low key, very low key. Dude, because you want to know why I wanted Loki? Dude, last week. You la raged? Yeah, dude, last week we fucking raged. I did some of the hardest shit I've ever done last week. Dude, I did fucking 20 mile, a 20 mile hike with my friend from Colorado out here. <laughs> yeah. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up. Hold one second. I really like how I asked you, like, did you rage? And then you were like, yeah, I did a whole bunch of exercise. <laughs> yeah, dude, I did a and lot of I'm shit. I'm just like, I also raged, but I drank like 25 beers dude. instead. <laughs> yeah, I got a <laughs> first thing. Yeah, first thing, first thing Ryan says to me when he comes up to me, dude, I am aggressively hungover this morning. Uh, I'm like, you're not just, you're not just hungover. No, aggressively it's hungover. Disgusting. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean by aggressively hungover? Um, so, so imagine this feeling. So you have that younger cousin who's always like gotten under your skin mm -hmm. and you have to spend a full 24 hours with them no yep. sleep mm -hmm. you can't do anything fun that's how my body feels right now i feel like you know i feel like i'm dead but i would want someone to kill me i feel like i'm dead but i want to die even more well, not that I even want to. It's just like, take me out of my misery, but I'm also a corpse. Mm. I want to be obliterated. Just like I obliterated. <laughs> 25 beers. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, so me and my buddy, Steve, mm -hmm. before we called it a night, we were cleaning up outside. Mm -hmm. I'm like, gas and beers still. It's terrible. Dude, I smelled it on you this morning when I walked in. You were like, you were, you were like, you were like, hey, my dude. My wife, my wife came. She had to work this morning. My wife came up to me and she laid. See, she, she, excuse me. She sat down on the bed, and she was just like, "Hi, like, can you like wake up, spend some time with me before I have to yeah, work?" Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. "Yeah, absolutely." So I sat up and she's just like, "Are you still drunk?" And I'm like, "Maybe, maybe." It's I not don't a know. I cannot confirm, but I definitely was because I didn't feel that terrible. So, dude, let's let's kind of paint a picture for people of what of what took yeah. place last night. All right, so my fourth, my fourth, basically, I got up. I was like, man, all right, I gotta go over to the parents. Go exercise. Fucking go exercise. <sighs> fucking Nerd. do all this shit, and then fucking Ryan, <laughs> dude, shows up today. This was my fourth, and shows me this like timeline on his phone, and I'm like, yep, that sounds about right of, of who you are. <laughs> I, did, I yelled <laughs> you are. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised I have a voice. Yeah. But you know, I, I showed up to play and I did. Mm -hmm. I put in my best effort. Um, I really 
you know, was on an offensive game. Mm. Mm. I think I dominated the competition 100. percent Well, what'd you do? Would you? Would you? Would you Dude. do? So, like, you celebrated yesterday. You guys so, played cornhole America's and stuff. Birthday. I mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about cornhole. That was where my performance um, uh, was lacking. lacking. Well, how many beers did you have when you were playing? Were you like a little like, dude? You know, like when you're sitting there and you're like trying to aim, and you're like, oh man, it's like that fucking game of beer one pong. More, you know, one cornhole game, at least two beers. Mm, okay. Well, okay, that's not that's not, not so bad. That's not so bad. Mm. But it was, I think, what really got me was the Jello shots. Because mm. let me tell you something. Mm. I, if I'm just gas and beers, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah, I can pretty much do anything that I normally can. Yeah. But the Jello shots threw me for a curve because once again, what did I just say? Sweets. I don't usually eat sugary stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're so easy to do. And some of our friends dude, bought well, some real boozy ones, dude, so they yeah, did some it of in those the things, three yeah. layers: red, white, dude, and blue. Yeah, some really of those things. Cute. Some of those things can fuck fucking catch up with you. Oh my! So how God. many? So you had like this density of Jello shots, and all of a sudden you're playing cornhole, and you're just like, oh fuck! Dude, so like, I mean, I started. I started my fourth like everyone else. Noon, I start drinking mad beer. I mean, before four o'clock, ten deep, mm. easy, mm-hmm. no problem. Mm-hmm. But I had some grub in my belly, whatever. But throughout the day, it was those jello shots and those. Yeah. Catch- so before I came to bed, so going back to what I was saying, me and my buddy were cleaning up, and we were bringing in coolers because we had like four different coolers out there. And we're dumping out the ice, and then he opens one. He's like, "Oh man, we have all these Jello shots." Mm-hmm. There's probably like ten, twelve. Granted, he's just like he just looked at me, dude, straight into my eyes, and said, "We got to do them all." And then in my stupor, I'm like, "Dude, we can't let these go to waste." He's just like, yeah. "We can't save these." I'm like, "You're right." Oh my god, I have like I felt like I. My duty was to do them. I mm-hmm. had this like, dude. There was this un, un fucking. There was a so sense I of duty. I dropped a couple. Yeah, a couple. Okay. As you saw when yep. you came in. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm gonna own that. But is this I something? Easily, is this is this something you wanted to let people know? Or I, no? I just I want I want the slate to be clean. Gotcha. Because okay. I'm I'm a patriot. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyways, I'm a pa- I did this for my country. <laughs> so however much I drank the the day, whatever, all I know is that before I went to bed, I had like four or five jello shots to the face in a row in a time directly, frame of like 10 seconds. Directly to the face. In the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Nice. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling better. Dude, that's good. I well, dude, got some uh, grub. Well, dude, the thing is, is that you I would f- do it all over again, dude. I would, I would, no dude, regrets. dude, no regrets. Not even a single letter, like not even like no regret, no regrets. I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, no big deal. My wife and I are incredible hosts, dude. For parties, we're 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 in. Well, dude, the videos you showed me of what you were actually like of you partying, you look like a good time. You look like a really good time, it's you know. Time. Dude, yeah, well, dude. That's, I think that that's I think that that's kind of like what you want to do in the Fourth of July. It's like, dude, you want to have like a fucking you good time. You know what I mean? Off, you know? Yeah, dude. You know, it's, well, it's, dude. You want to know one thing that bothers me sometimes is that like you know how some people are like all about like uh, what is it? Like some people are you know, being a veteran myself. A lot of people that are like adamant on like holidays are like, man, fuck, fucking civilians, fucking celebrating and having a good time. It's like, bro, 
fucking chill the fuck out, dude. It's like they don't. The problem that I see with people with that is that they get angry that like people have a day off and they're like, oh, they need to be like in fucking, you know, yeah, they need to be like doing it. It's like, dude, you know, they're doing what they can. And it's and not, this, and that's not to disavow that they're not. This isn't they're not to a, sound yeah, cliche, but not to attempt, not to attempt to disavow isn't what that it the is best they're part doing. Of the day? Dude, well, is the that, thing at is, the is end that end of the day, we can just have a good time. With well, dude, think think about it, right? Is that you sit there with your friends, and here you have a day where everybody's off, right? And right. it's like, hey, what are we gonna do? We have a normal break in our routine. Like, if you break it down, you know, hey, we have a normal break in our routine. What are right. we gonna do? It's like, well, you know, dude, I've got a grill. I've got some food. We haven't. Beautiful we, day. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. We haven't done any. We haven't done anything in a while, dude. You want to come over to barbecue? Yeah, dude, sure. So then all this thing, long. that's then this thing becomes synonymous with, you know, fucking barbecuing and all that kind of shit. It's like, dude, it's like people say they get angry at, at why people do that. They're, oh man, they need to be like at fucking Arlington National Cemetery, like walking through the grave. It's like, dude, you know, if that's how you want to spend your time, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But don't be angry at someone else for how they, they choose. For it. yeah, for how it's not that they don't want to do it. It's just they have a day. Isn't, isn't that the how best they part choose. about being free, dude? Yeah, how they choose to spend their time. You know, don't get angry at someone exactly. for how they how they choose to spend their time. Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna walk up to you and be like, Ryan, you need to be spending your time with this. It's like, dude, that's there's no difference between that and like fucking time complete is, complete t- t- time t- is complete t- really, t- tyranny. You know, really valuable resource. Yeah, and if you have the time to enjoy yourself whether that's having a barbecue whether that's rock climbing whether that's exercising i don't understand <laughs> but but um it, it was a it was just a, use, being able to use your time to feed your soul yeah i think is really cool and, and dude you know yeah yeah you America. know some some people decide to feed their souls in different in different capacities like dude my friend out here because me me i like to i like to challenge myself as much as i possibly can right because yeah. so like that that hike that we did um, dude, we met these two guys on the top of Mount Lafayette, and when we were coming across the ridge, um, there were these two guys that were hiking the Appalachian Trail, but they had been doing it in sections. And dude, these guys, they're just like some of the nicest people, right? And the, I, I started thinking about it because it was weird, right? And I'm like, man, these two guys are sitting here hiking. One of them had two hip replacements. And these guys are like in their 50s and 60s, right? So one of the guys, the guy that had the two hip replacements, his doctor had told him not to fucking do any like physical exertion activity. Here he is fucking hiking like the Appalachian Trail. And I'm just like, he's like, yep, can't wait to tell my doctor that I fucking, I I really, really enjoy not listening to what the doctor tells me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like do exactly (laughs) the opposite of what the doctor tells you to do. But he ended up hiking the Appalachian Trail. But dude, the thing is, is that here you have someone like let's say someone's working a typical monday through friday right and they go through they have all this stuff that they're worried about that maybe they got a project going on at work or maybe they have like fucking bills to pay or something going on you know but then all of a sudden like when you remove yourself from that that grind dude these guys were so present they were present they were there right and they're just like in the moment they're not fucking worrying about where they have to fucking you know show up to a party the next day or where they have to do xyz to pay bills or finances or anything like that all that's they're far removed from that they're just fucking doing one linear thing which is just fucking focusing on hiking on the appalachian trail getting up every morning and and just and yeah and just being themselves you know and i think that that's what that's what's really important for people to do at the same exact thing when it comes to like july 4th you know it's like dude fucking you're sitting there and you're just like having a good time dude with your friends and just being present you know like maybe a topic or two will come up where people will be like hey you know 
we're going to talk about XYZ or this topic. And then it's like, oh man, hey, how's that going? But dude, you just kind of like remove all of that fucking superficiality bullshit and it, you just become true to who you are, well, you know? That's it, because I'm one thing that I really enjoy about people who are genuine is when people can effortle- effortlessly be present with you, mm. I think is an intelligence that not everyone has. So when you have that moment with someone and you're just like, no, we're hanging out. Like you're in this moment with me. Mm. Like you're, you're not thinking about something else, like whether it's work, whether it's fun, what have you. Um, when someone's just there, that's the coolest thing in the world. Mm. And a lot of the people that came over, um, yesterday, you know, that's why I love having parties. It's just like, because of out of all these people that I invite, there's gonna be that like, you know, that that group of people that are just like there, and it's really cool. You're just gonna fucking. And that's it. A you're call gonna, out dude, to you're gonna, people who aren't present. Well, dude, uh, that's you're gonna call out. Well, dude, you're gonna have. Well, you're gonna have. You're gonna share an experience with yeah. someone, and kind of like that's something that goes back maybe to tribalism, right? Is that mm. in Buddhist scripture, there's actually something that they call about returning to your breath. Because if you, everything's about balance, right? So if you have someone that has experienced trauma or someone that has experienced some form of like crazy energy, you know, what's going to have, what's going to be troublesome for them is they're going to have trouble going to these parties because they're going to be so wrapped up maybe in the, in the past. And then the thing is, is that it's like trying to just stay present requires so much concentration that some people can get thrown out of the whack with that, you know? And I think that there's, there's a lot of balance with different people, like not to call them out to say like people have, some people have trouble being present, you know, even me sometimes when I'm walking through and experiencing meeting all these different people and doing all these different things, you know, like there's, there's kind of precursors that will throw people out of balance in regard to how they stay present or how they don't stay present or where they're, they choose not to be because they, they're living so far in the future or the past you know, or they're looking too far ahead, you know, like, let's say you have someone that's fucking like, just as an example, you know, someone's stressed out about finances and they're worried about like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to have my house for the next like six months. That's all they think about. That's all they're thinking about, you know? And then all of a sudden, like they come to a party and then like, they're just, Oh man, I can't, I can't, I can't fucking do this right now. Like, and the thing is, is that I think what needs to, I don't want to say what needs to happen is, but they need to find like a grounding technique Mm -hmm. that, they can utilize in order to be present, you know, like maybe for you, you know, maybe for you, it's being, dude, I'm fucking aggressively hung over today. Like, dude, hell yeah, man. You know, that's your, that's your grounding technique to stay present, you know, and you like, and you like, you have this, the way that you sound like I'm an alcoholic. You're not, you're not, you're not an alcoholic. No, you're not, dude. I'm, I'm one, I'm one to say, and I think, but that's, but that's your, really, really try hard to do. And maybe I try too hard to do this sometimes that, that could be a thing that I need you know look at is i really just try to like you're in my home like i want you to like have the best i want you to go home and be on your way home and be like do you know what like you speak a little closer to the mic yeah you're good okay you're good. joe rogan sorry you just a fist a fist, <laughs> a fist, a fist, a fist from your mouth hey yeah. buddy i need you to bring that about a fist from your mouth anyways yeah i just really want people to like be on their way home and just be like do you know what I really like going over to Ryan and Hannah's like they always just like, you know, the hospitality is always on point. Like, I hope people think that because I know that every time I've left a gathering 
and I've said that, like, I'll think about it, like, all week long. I'll just be like... Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You can ask me you might, you want. You might, you might, I don't want to... See, this is, this is like, I'm a very, you know me, I like, I like thinking a lot. I'm going to pick this right? sucker up. Yeah, you can pick that, you can pick it up and put it wherever you want, dude. Oh, boy. Um, oh boy. So you said, you said that you, you like to be, you want to put on a good host for people. I want a or, good vibe. Yeah. But why do you want to be sure that you can have like, you want to put on that good vibe for people? Like, why do you feel, do you feel pressure to do that? Or is that just something that you, you really look, you look forward to? Like, does it basically, well, does it make you feel good that you're it, helping it other people out? It does make me feel good. And I think a lot of it is, is nurture. So my parents, for instance, mm-hmm. are great hosts. Yeah. Like, you know, if we had like, for instance, a barbecue when I was growing up, like my mom and my dad, they'd be up early. They'd be like, all right, Ricky Ryan, like we got all this stuff to do. We got to clean. We got to do all this stuff. Um, and when I was younger, I was just like, oh, this is stupid. People are just going to come over, whatever. Like, what's the big deal? But it's like, I think people appreciate effort. Mm. So before we have people come over, not that I want them to come up to me to say like, oh, Ryan, like. I can see how much work you put into this. I just want people to come over and be like, oh, this is a good vibe. Dude, this is amazing. You want to share that. And you know what? Like, you know, the grass is cut. So clearly Mm -hmm. they like, they're proud of their home and they want to share their home with other people. And maybe some people don't even... I think that's what it comes down to Mm. is the the place that we're living right now, even though it may be a an apartment it's very much a home yeah. and people have like come in here you know it's a pretty like open concept like our living room is like a part of our kitchen there's lots of natural light feng shui you know, a lot yeah. of people are just like oh this apartment's got a good vibe like yeah. even in the winter time it's not sad because we got all this light whatever but i don't know i also love to just see other people's home mm-hmm. like and see how they live do you want to hear a weird thing that I love to do? Sure. If I'm comfortable with someone mm-hmm. and I'm in their home, mm-hmm. I'll just like look inside their fridge mm-hmm. and their pantry. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, dude, are if you, you came over to my, if you came and, over to and, my house and, and if people are just, usually people are just like, are you, are you hungry? Like, do you want something? You know, I'm just like, no, I'm just looking. Well, I think what it says is it says a lot about the character of the person, you know? Cause dude, so here's one thing, right? Is that I have to drive across country when my I go to Denver. My fridge is all beer and veggies. That's nice. it. The staples of life, the food pyramid. Beer and vegetables. Car. Well, do you get your carbs, right? You get your fucking veggies. What else do you need? Well, well meats, meats, meats. Hannah's vegan. Oh, she's vegan. And I didn't know that. She cooks, mm. and I don't really cook. I mean, right now we've got like sausages and hot dogs because mm. the fourth was yesterday. But yeah. usually our fridge is just like vegetables. Yeah. Beer. Yeah. Wine. Nice. Eggs. Does she do? Does she do? Does she do wine? Yeah, like a specific. How does that, how does that work? Does she does she prefer like a specific type of wine with vegan or? Oh how does uh, that... no, I mean all wine is vegan. Well, yeah, technically, yeah. Um, not all beer is vegan. Mm, Guinness is not vegan. Hmm. You know why? Why? They have a special filter like net thing in the brewing process. That's a fish product. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's like the the exoskeleton of fish, like into made into like a net. It's weird. Why did she? Because my roommate Brandy, she's on a six-month climbing trip right now. She was vegan. Mm-hmm. Why did um? 
does she have like any is it like a dietary restriction so that she does dairy she doesn't to... sit well with her dairy mm-hmm. doesn't really sit well with me either but i'm an idiot and just mm-hmm. will eat whatever yeah um, seafood diet i see i eat it well so yeah. s- s- seafood she does eat seafood mm-hmm. so that's a that's a big distinguisher like so technically she's, she's not like a, vegan like there's a well there's a distinction well, you know it's like i'm 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 semi yeah i'm semi semi vegan whatever you know like there's certain dietary or I don't want to say dietary restrictions, but she just follows like a certain protocol. You know, well, so she tries to eat discipline. as clean as possible. Yeah, which yeah. I think is is super rad. So yeah. dairy, she just like knocked out. Doesn't her body just like can't process? Technically, no one should be. Well, actually, technically, dairy. she's more long in evolution than humans are because they've dairy's shown, not good. For well, they've they've shown that if you're lactose intolerant, then that means that on the evolutionary tract. That you're actually more advanced or more, uh, what is it? What's the term that I'm looking for? Is that you're more evolutionary than people that aren't lactose intolerant? Because the way the way one. well the way the way that our bodies work is that we're like you said we're not supposed to really be intaking like certain forms of dairy. Is that if someone's lactose intolerant, it means that they're more closer to the evolutionary track than some people aren't. Yeah. So people like you know how some people with their wisdom teeth, you know, they say like, oh, I have four wisdom teeth or I have three the people that only have three wisdom teeth they say oh you're more modernly or you're more close to the evolution than four people that have four wisdom teeth than three you know because back back in the day when we were eating fucking rocks and shit you know or we were processing stuff like that it's the exact same thing probably like with the appendix you know people that people that whose appendix is fucking well, explode so or whatever that's interesting yeah. um but but uh so the thing about dairy that I didn't know about mm. was um, and I'm totally gonna probably mess this up, dude. We're not a fucking diet. We, you know, we're not. But we're the, we're, the we're way just two, two, two dumbasses talking about the way it's <laughs> been explained to me is name another species other than humans that consume mother's milk from a different species. Yeah, the, it doesn't it doesn't exist. exist. And yeah. so, though cheese is delicious. I love it, it so much. It is. It's Nachos, good. forget about it. Oh my Queso God, dip, it's my weakness. forget about it. Yeah. Doritos, it's the greatest thing. A cheeseburger? Come on. OMG, dude. Come on. Oh my God. Cream cheese on a bagel? Oh, my God, dude. What are you doing? What are it's you doing? It's incredible. What are you doing? But some of doing? the vegan cheeses are pretty... Hannah makes Actually, this... Actually, hummus. Hummus is, hummus is vegan. Dude, Hannah hummus. makes this... Um, she makes this... It's basically like a spicy queso that mm-hmm. she makes out of cashews. Mm-hmm. Out of control. Out of this world. So good. Well, dude, there's anyways, a... so back to the dairy. Okay. Look me in the eye. Looking you in the eye. <laughs> our so our bodies are wired to process our mother's milk up to a certain age. Yep. After a certain age, our body can't process it anymore. No, of course. And consuming it is essentially consuming poison because the uh, dairy in and of itself is a poisonous thing to our bodies. We've been conditioned over the years well, to it's like- drink milk. You know, that whole big thing. It's still a thing like, oh, drink milk to be big and strong. It's not good for you. I mean, there's- that's because why the government's in bed with big dairy. We big, about to talk big, about the government. The big, the big dairy. Is that the, the segue? Big- no, no, I, I want to talk. I don't want to talk about the, the big, the big, at least not now. The big dairy. No, the thing is, is that like obviously, you know, there is certain there's certain benefits of like having 
dairy. There's certain benefits of having cheese, you know, but the thing is, is that if you look at animals in nature, right, where they're around like the fucking watering hole, you know, where all these animals are actually like legitimately defecating inside the same water, and more than likely they would, what we would suffer is if we walked up to it, we would suffer from dysentery, right? There was this epidemic where people were selling a thing called raw water. Did I ever tell you about this? Excuse me? Yeah, this is how fucking stupid this is. Raw water. Raw water. You know the, you know the health uh, fucking epidemic back in like 2010 where like CrossFit was coming up and everybody's all into this fucking healthy lifestyle. It basically turned into this like huge kind of like um, hipster type I, fucking I, I, thing. I know that people like get joy from that, but... Well, the thing is, is that this is how stupid... It's like a pet rock idea, right? And those people made... These people made a shit ton of money doing this. The problem is, is that they marketed it or I can't fucking say that. They sold the product as raw water. And what they said was that this will increase your immune system naturally because back in the back in the day you know we used to we used to drink unfiltered water that this is going to strengthen you sound like paleo people yeah well this is this is kind of the exact same thing is that this is going to strengthen your gut bacteria the problem is is that well well the the problem with this is that the gut bacteria that you develop that's like when you're young that 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 process takes place when you're young not only when you're young but after you have an is in a lifetime of doing that you'll pass this on to your offspring so then that bacteria will be inside your gut from your parents or whatever so those giraffes those lions you see in nature in africa drinking out of the watering hole where all the other animals are fucking defecating inside of it they've built up an immunity to that because now they, they'll more than likely get sick and people right? are trying to give their raw water to their kids it, it, legit yeah so there's this lady Go drink that puddle dude so there's this lady they literally just take water throw it in a fucking thing and you know how much they sell like a liter for they would sell it for like 45 bucks and so people would say oh man i feel so much better i feel so much better by drinking this unfiltered water raw water in my toilet yeah and then and then and then so they would get sick they would get sick they'd get dysentery they'd be oh man like i feel fucking sick yeah dude because you're drinking unfiltered water oh man no it's probably just like it's probably just my fucking body like adapting to it. This is just the initial phase of like maybe maybe it's like me not drinking caffeine for like three months. It's like no, dude, you're drinking, you're giving into the system and drinking unfiltered water, and you're spending hundreds of dollars on shit where you could just go out of the fucking pond out there and drink the exact same thing. It's like water is filtered for How a certain reason. People? Dude, people give into certain things, man. People you know, really but that's kind of the exact same thing that it comes to when it comes to dairy. Is that people that are lactose intolerant, maybe people that are intolerant to dairy are more along the evolutionary train than people that aren't or timeline right because like you said when we grow up when we we've been ingesting all this dairy for years and then all of a sudden we create anti-dairy yeah well i mean like my my buddy's um friend his wife she decided to be vegan and there's a lot of good qualities to veganism but but there's a there's also there's also drawbacks to it as well, much like there is with meat, much like there is with anything. It's like there's a that's but, why that's why it's like but, it's a balance. But our physiological makeup, we are herbivores. Our people always mm. like to try to talk about oh well we have canine teeth so we can chew through meat. I'm just like, it's not canine teeth like my dog. Dogs, their makeup is. I have to eat meat because that's what wolves eat. Like that is what they're designed. Well, that's the to only eat. way. That's the that's the way. That's so, the way that they but were. Humans, their makeup, our makeup, is herbivores. Yeah, if like, we go, it's unnatural for us to eat meat. 
but I mean, I love meat so much. I'm, I know. I've got I think- leftover sausages. They're going on the grill. I love it. See, here's the thing. People have to understand this. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're like, oh, Ryan's always getting on his pedestal about like, listen, all you people out there, I admit my own faults. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think human beings' fault is that they consume dairy and meat. It's delicious. I love it. And do you know what? I don't care. That's why I smoke cigarettes. I know it's not good for me. Well, it's a choice. You know, it's a choice. It's I like think you have your own choice. So it's the people that are just. It's, it's either, the people. It's, it's the people. The vegans who put down people who eat meat, and it's the people who eat meat who put down vegans for being vegan. Just eat the way you want to eat. Well, no can one I, cares. Can I? Can I? Can I interject here for a quick second? Yes. Okay. So. It's your podcast. Cool. So, <laughs> Ryan, I love you, man. Um, so back in the podcast now, (laughs) I'm the captain. The the student has become the master. Um, I think that when it comes to nutritional intake is that back in the day when we were walking through Africa, different, different forms of evolution, the, before we actually were, you know, we were able to kind of manipulate fire in order to change certain proteins and how our brain started developing these different meats right so we can it changes the protein makeup of the actual meat when we would hunt all right mm-hmm. we were very much herbivore i would say you know because yeah. if you look at if you look at certain animals even like the panda right the panda technically is actually an omnivore but yet they choose to be solitary and they eat nothing but bamboo so but in, yeah but in order to in order to for them to process the bamboo they need to have an extremely hardened skull and so they just sit there and they eat bamboo like for at least 12 to 16 hours a day and then they that's why they have such a hard skull is to process the bamboo but they can still eat meat you know but then like panda bears are bears yeah 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 but they used to but they but they used to but that's kind of like how they decided to change along the evolutionary track much like humans did right is that if we if we back in the day you know when we're in africa you know yeah we probably would be eating a lot of you know um like plants and things like that. Even Neander- even Neanderthals were the exact same way. You know, they ate certain plants, but to Watch say that language. what? How dare how dare you fucking Neanderthal? Um, but I think that when it comes to vegans, the problem is is that I think what you're describing, the problem that you're describing, is people that preach, people that preach and put others I, down. I just I I I'm just gonna interject. You know, I feel that. People need to step down from their soapbox. Well, the thing is, is that like... People need to realize that they don't actually have a podium in front of them. Yeah. Well, there's not... They don't have an audience unless they're creating the audience and putting it out for other people to listen to. Like if you, if you're, if you walk into a bar, just creating our own podiums with social media. Maybe. The thing is, is that some people want to just, they want, they want to be listened to because they're not listened to. So when they listen to, or when they adopt a policy or they adopt some form of discipline whether it's veganism whether it's fucking crossfit whether it's climbing anything they just want to be listened to because they get they feel a sense of fulfillment out of it they they feel some yeah they feel some form of validation so they're like hey you need to be vegan because this is what it did for me it's like bro i'm doing my own thing like don't fucking tell me like kind of like as if they're stepping on your toes you know and it's the exact same thing when it comes to hunting people would do a lot more new things if other people weren't out there saying this is what you need to do yeah but i don't think we're ever going to be able to abandon the idea of that everybody goes 
everybody goes to just vegan, it wouldn't be able to happen. It just it, it's well, I mean, it's, there would can't. be there would be detriments because then we would have an overpopulation of animals. Well, we would have With livestock. All the methane yeah. very bad for yeah. not another hot topic. Climate change. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. I know, because if you look at Omicron, the way that people live up in Russia, it's the coldest inhabited place in the world. And they have temperatures that range from like negative 74 degrees Fahrenheit. And in the summer, it only it gets up pretty extensively. The temperature ranges for Why this place. Why would you ever are, want to live there? Well, Stalin ended up fucking throwing these people in that place back in the day. He Just built... Move. Dude, it was called the Road of Bones, and he paved people. Like the Trail of Tears? So it was a lot worse than the Trail of Tears. Millions of people were killed. You just offended a lot of Native Americans, buddy boy. I did, but do you think, I'm how, quoting the facts. What percentage of your audience do you think are Native Americans? I don't know. I don't know. Someone's gonna come do back you know and I'm call Native me a. American? Someone's gonna come back and call me a fucking asshole. You are. Yeah. Oh, what percent? Cherokee. Mm, the Cherokee, the civilized tribe. You know that they actually adopted the Constitution mm-hmm. and they you wanted. Hear a crazy yeah. thing about my last name? What's that? Okay, so. Also, disclaimer. I say I watch a lot of documentaries, so mm-hmm. I just say things as if like I have the authority that things are fact. Uh-huh. All the things about food, I don't know if that's true. Dude, like, go look. Dude, it up this yourself. is this is what this is the beauty of this, dude. Is that we can just have a fucking well, you conversation. Claim things yeah. nowadays, people will crucify you. Anyways, so nah, my last whatever. name, I'm pretty sure, it was my fourth great grandfather. I have to ask my dad. My dad told me this because he did some research about our name. But my fourth great-grandfather, we'll just go ahead and say, was like full-blooded Cherokee Indian. Okay? And um, he was one of the Cherokees that really assimilated with um, like the, the white people who came from England, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my dad's family is from the southeast, which is where the Cherokee are from, whatever. So they would just give themselves white names because they were obviously born with their Cherokee names or whatever, but they wanted to assimilate into, you know, the Western culture or whatever. And they would give each other's white names. So there's my fourth great grandfather. His last name was Langley, Mm -hmm. which was apparently like a really widely used white name that like Cherokee people just like took. Like it became like kind of a thing. So you have all these Cherokee people who would just be like, wait, what white name are you giving yourself? And they'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that same thing or whatever. So obviously the racist people started to catch on to like all these fake white names. And so my fourth great grandfather met this woman from England with the last name of Tidwell. Hmm. And he's just like, I've never heard that white name before. I'm going to marry you and I'll take your last name so our kids don't have to have my quote-unquote fake white name. Hmm. So the way it worked in the line, that should technically be my last name instead of Tidwell. Interesting. Cause see, yeah, that but actually, my dad's like white as snow, though. So yeah, because see, know. that's actually how it, how it actually... How it, played out was that the Cherokee wanted to assimilate into they wanted to assimilate into American culture they adopted their own constitution and that was one of the unfortunate things with the U.S. government was the U.S. government had this like fucking anti anti anti-Native American campaign where they were like you want to assimilate into society no fuck you I think it was I think it was Andrew Jackson like first of all they were forced to do it and then they were just like okay you can have this area okay cool we'll comply well the area is a little smaller okay well, well, it was an area that they weren't even familiar with farming. They well, had no so, idea. 
they were kicked out of the southeast like that's mm-hmm. where they're from and then yeah that's because they had all that fucking plantation it was read, perfect like, the, to grow like tobacco the actual and cotton. government documentation like about- i took a yeah i took an american history class and that was my that was my actual topic i wrote a paper on was a trail of tears and so those those there was a few the way that it panned out was there was a few tribal elders right that had already moved out west because they kind of foresaw what was taking place with the u.s government mm-hmm. and they were like hey we don't want to interact with these people they're 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 it's like bad juju you know we're going to move out west yeah. so what the people that stayed in the area they were actually taken advantage of because the area that they inhabited was very good for growing plantation tobacco which was then going to be Booming. you know which was then going to be for the fucking slave trade you know so over this happened in from like the 1800s to the 1830s during the act you know the trail of tears and again there was a lot of resistance i think it was president andrew jackson it was a, it was a pre, it was a president jackson i'm not sure if it was andrew jackson i don't know if andrew jackson was actually after the civil war but anyways but the president basically was like completely against having the native americans join the United States. He didn't like, want. He, he, like he didn't. Totally cool with it. Yeah, dude. They had. They're yeah, just like, yeah. Hey, like they were Sukasa, considered. Yeah, they were considered Mikasa, one of the. Whatever. What's that saying? Mikasa Sukasa. There yeah, it is. they were considered. They were I'm considered Hispanic, one of. I don't even know that. That's all right. They were considered one of the five peaceful tribes, but they were met with complete resistance. So then, remember those elders that had already moved out west? There were these people that had stayed, and they actually sold out their own people. There were these, there were these Native American, these Native American people that were in the southeast that were part of the Cherokee tribe, and they were like, "Hey, you can come and round up our own people." Mm. So then, what happened is they signed a document, and then the, that basically gave the U.S. government per- permission to come on their lands, round up all the Indians forcefully, and then they scheduled all these wagons to move them forcefully, thou- you know, hundreds, thousands of miles out west. But the thing is, is that this is where they started suffering from fucking poor logistics malnutrition all sorts of things and that's why they called it the trail of tears so then when they actually arrived so where the elder died. yeah yeah so then when they arrived where the again don't quote me on this but then when they arrived where the actual elders were the people that had already moved out west and they show up those same people that sold out their own their own tribe they didn't actually go through the natural process of talking to the elders and the chiefs so then they're like hey we're here to take charge and then the elders are like you fucking sold our own people out so those people that were that sold their people out, they were assassinated within like the first few few years of them trying to take charge because the elders, which is the natural the natural way of the chiefs or the Cherokee tribe at least, is the elders kind of consult one another and is they that decide. Not karma? Yeah, and they decide as a group. But here we have these people that had this this desire to kind of make money or to do whatever they want to do they when they moved out west you know they they had a cushy move out west right. because you know they were considered the the rich or whatever yeah and they ended up uh yeah pawns. they yeah they just ended up pawns. they just they just threw away all of their all of their cherokee culture just just to be i couldn't do that for to a some dog. some form of greed i, could, I couldn't sell yeah. someone out like that but dude you're always going to come across people like that you know isn't that wild that people mm-hmm. like that actually exist like yeah. people yeah. there are people that exist out there and if you're listening and you try to do this with people you know who you are maybe you need a life change but people who double cross other people i don't understand how you can i think that there's many forms of double crossing you know and i and i understand that some people i mean i've even been guilty of it myself you know like but there's there's a a difference between though because i bet you maybe have done it for self-preservation I don't think any person 
I think it. I think unless it's to preserve themselves or someone that they love. Hmm. There's a. There's a. There. There's absolutely. Perfect example. Maybe it'll there be a isn't case, anything I wouldn't do for my wife. Yeah, maybe it's a case by case basis in so this in this there's regard. The, there's the big difference. If mm-hmm. it's to preserve me or my family, I'll do whatever yeah. it takes to defend to defend your children or to defend However, your, the ones you love. People who just go out of their way to screw other people over just because they want to manipulate situations and whether it's at work or whatever, what have you. Those types of people, serial double crossers. Well, like I, I don't mean, understand how you could be like. That. I mean, if you think about it, like what did they expect out of the situation? Like, if we go back, like again, don't quote me on this actually being how the Cherokee tribe was you right, know, carried yeah. out. It's been a while. We're not since experts. I took, yeah, I, no experts. But hypothetically speaking, how the fuck did they think that they were going to come out of that situation? You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm going to sell my own people. Do they think that they're that stupid that they're not going to fucking assassinate them or kill them? Like, hey, now I'm going to, hey, I sold you guys out. Hey, by the way, you know your mother that was that was on the wagon that was well, dying. Around, comes around, yeah, that man. was dying Firm of believer. Yeah, that was Firm believer that, that was dying of fucking malnourishment on the wagon on the way over here. Oh yeah, sorry by the way. Oh, but um, hey, I'm going to be in charge now. It's like, yeah. how? What the fuck else did you expect was going to come out of that? You know, like the first thing that would come to my mind is, I'm like, oh man, this guy's going to fucking kill me as soon as I get to the location, you know, not screwing someone over. Maybe they just lack that emotional intelligence or they think that they're using fear in order to enforce, you know, um, order, essentially. There, if, it's a, it's an order based on, or it's, it's not, it's not anarchy, but it's establishing order through fear. Which is what we see, like with North Korea, what we see, like in some forms of well, yeah, it's different, the, the manipulation you know. of fear. Yeah. So you maybe, know? maybe that's what they were hoping that they could but do. But what I think is, I think the universe as a whole is just, and so whatever the universe is to you, like when I say that, I don't know. For me, it's you know, for some pers- people, it's God, whatever. But I think the universe as a whole is just, and I think that what, you know. What comes around, like, I think that it's like a form of karma where you say what goes around I, comes I, around. I don't even want to put it as karma. I just think that you're always gonna reap what you sow, and if you hmm. continually to sow bad seeds, you're gonna have a lot of weeds in your life. Hmm. And I think that people who can get away with it probably up until they're dead will have a moment where it'll all come to bite them in the ass. It'll all again. just it'll all just come full circle and they'll see because the they'll see I the think full culmination. The majority of, it. of people will ultimately shun you if you continue to live your life in such a toxic way. Well dude, you look at people that do live like that. Like let's say there's a guy let's say there's a guy that spends his entire life chasing material possessions, right? Mm-hmm. They've actually done studies with Harvard where it was one of the longest studies that Harvard ever conducted. And what they found that the people that actually live the longest and the people that live the most lasting, long, most fulfilling life was it was actually the relationships that they had established in their life. And it mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do with material possessions. It didn't have anything to do with how much money you had accrued over a long... I mean, obviously, I want to say that money is obviously a certain is a certain portion of it because, you know, it's like, hey, I only make fucking, you know, like $2 an hour. Hey, love me, you know? Like, yeah. there's a certain... There's a certain ratio between what equates happiness with money, but it's like money is only a certain portion of the picture. What they say actually equates to longer lasting relationships or longer lasting life 
is the relationships you establish with people in your life. And so if you spend a large majority of your time chasing money, chasing finances and getting richer in material possession, you equate that to happiness, you know, maybe in your, you're that guy that fucks other people over, you know, in order to, in order to make that money and get those material possessions. Maybe some people fucking sleep soundly at night. And I don't want to say that there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, Hey man, like, fuck you, you know, like you're screwing people over in order to make a living. But I think that at some point they're going to have some form of self-reflection that everything that they have, they've accrued. I don't want to say it's meaningless, but it is though. dude, there's no way to escape. There's guess what? Guess what? There's no way to escape this. We're going to die someday. You know? Honestly, I think people need to find more peace in the idea of life is meaningless. I think that that is the beginning. So the way I've heard, there's this one philosopher who put it like this. He was just like, for philosophy, for people, usually the end is life is meaningless. Mm. He is a firm believer of, I forget his name. Is it, he, Alan, is it Alan Watts? Uh, I'm a, I love Alan Watts. He's I don't know. Guy. I know he is. He's a Christian philosopher. Um, he's Scottish, I think. But his whole thing, he was just like, um, life, life is meaningless is just the beginning. And finding peace in nothingness is so valuable because of the fact that material things don't mean anything. At the end of the day, like when you're dead, whether it's that heirloom that you got from your grandfather, whatever, even though it has a lot of sentimental value at the end of the day, it is meaningless. Mm -hmm. So he says, I find a lot of peace in nothingness. And I have a lot of peace in life is meaningless because it is the existence of what truly matters. Mm. And, and that may differ from person to person. Yeah, and the thing is, is that when it comes I don't know to if that made any sense, it actually does. So I'm about to lay down some heavy shit real quick. Oh, All right, here we go. Lay down, my daddy. So in certain Buddhist philosophy, what they talk about, especially the Zen tradition, the Zen Soto tradition, what they say is that life is all about suffering. Life is all about negativity. Can I or ask it's a actually, it's not. Quick? I don't. Hang on. It's not. I want to rephrase that. It's not about negativity. What it is is that it's actually focusing on suffering. That's what all life equates to, right? And so, when it comes to suffering, that you know how some people, when someone's go, when they're going through a tough time, you want to know what someone's going to say. They're going to say, or not potentially, what someone could say is they're going to say, "Oh, I need to fake it till I make it." Well, I actually don't agree with that saying because in Western philosophy, what we do is we over-optimize, right? We we over we use overly optimistic approaches to things and what takes place is that we don't know how to live with the process of struggle we fall out of balance with our own negative emotions so we try to overshadow that by using these optimistic approaches where we say fake it till you make it which is actually a sense of avoidance and denial and what needs to take place or what you could do to take place is that hey instead of looking at everything hey i'm i i need positive vibes I'm only going to look at the glasses half full. And the thing is, is that what, well, well, what I actually do is, yeah, like you said, it drives you through a wall because we understand that that's actually not what takes place. Is that? People, and I think that's different from being just optimistic. I, I think, think I, th I think that people who 
fake it till you make it, those types of people have a very disingenuous form of optimism. Because I try to say all the time, like, I well, I work like 60 hours a week and sometimes I'm just so exhausted. But at the end of the day, like, what I really, like, try to communicate to, like, Hannah and stuff is, like, you know, like, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. Well, dude, like, it's a real... I'm happy it's... that, like, both of us were not at work. It was a busy day. It was stressful. And there's a lot of stressors to life in general, but I'm happy to be in this place with you. Well, dude, you're not, you're not having, you're not having, your head isn't in the clouds, right? You're not having an unrealistic approach to it. So if I look at, if I look at a certain situation with a glass half empty approach, right? Which is how I actually try to view things is that people say, Josh, well, that's a pessimistic approach. Well, what do you mean it's a pessimistic approach? Well, what it means is that, oh, you're, you're, so you're very negative. Uh, Well, no, not necessarily. What that means is that in order for me to make, in order for me to live my life through the traumas that I've experienced, I want to get, I want to have a naturopathic approach to this. So in order for me to live my life in a fulfilling way, I need to have the process of transformation take place and I need to have a more distinct, better relationship with my trauma so that I can move forward, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to deny the trauma. If I keep avoiding what it is that's bothering me and I only have some temporary sense of relief, such as like, hey, I'm going to post a quote on Instagram or I'm going to get this, I want to do this motivation for something. That's only some self, that's only a temporary amount of gratification. Are you living in a better relationship through doing something with social media? Maybe not, maybe. And that's that's a grounding technique that some people can use. That's a potential thing that may exist. But what I want to do is during my trauma, like, hey, I get angry or, hey, I get triggered doing this. I want to sit in that moment and I want to return to my breath and I want to focus on this and I need to sit with that emotion and kind of like not decipher or pick away at it like they like to do in in Western culture, but I want to sit with it, decipher it, experience it. Because that's why I say talking only does so much, but it, 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 that's why like with spiritual practice, whether it be through photography, whether it be through being a musician, whether it be being a writer or some form, a spiritual practice doesn't mean that you actually have to like, you know, sit there and pray five or six times a day. But Spirituality that's, but, isn't religion. Yeah. And, it's, and I and think it, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. And it's showing that you can be committed to something, you know, like there's a certain discipline. But the thing is, is that some people, when it comes back to that over-optimization, that's why the yin and yang concept is actually very important because everything is related to balance. If you look at the way the universe is and how... Technically, if you if you believe in that sort of thing, when it comes to science, you know, the Big Bang and everything like that, all of these occurrences were based on balance Mm -hmm. and nature itself, an ecosystem, which we even see today with struggle, whether it becomes climate change, whether it becomes malnutrition or unfortunate, you know, someone has a very bad nutrition or someone has this. It's all about balance. Everything in nature is related to balance. So someone that's over optimistic or extremely pessimistic they're not balancing out the equation. So that's why when someone's, oh, you're overly, oh, you're pessimistic or you're negative. It's like, well, in order for me to balance out my negativity, I need to experience it so that now I can have a transformation that takes place. So I can live a more fulfilling life in an optimistic way. And I feel more balanced out, you know? So that way, when like, when people are sitting there and they say, um, sorry, you're laughing. What were you going to say? I was just like, outside can you hold it oh can you i heard a little kid outside and i just like a little child voice was just said ah shit nice (laughs) 
It's a and perfect I was just takeaway. Like, That's probably going to be my kid someday. Hell yeah. I'm going to get notes on be like, your kid won't start stop cussing. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, dude. It's my kid. You know, it's my kid. It's freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Fuck. And then you fucking display an American flag, say America. And then you fucking. I rip open my shirt and it's the Constitution tattooed on my chest. Dude. I think that's about as America I'm as you do, can I'm, get. I should do. I should have but, done that yesterday. But yeah, dude, getting back just to kind of bring it full circle. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, dude. You know, that's that's basically just me no, getting I off my soapbox. You, you, you know, know, and I finding think, finding finding balance in things. And like you said, religion doesn't mean or spiritual spirituality doesn't mean that you have to equate to religion. But what I've also found is that also finding some like uh, what I what I I don't want to what I hate is if someone believes in something, right? whether that person is atheist. Someone can be atheist and they can say, hey man, I'm atheist. And I'd be like, dude, that's cool. Now, if that person comes up to me and be like, man, why the fuck do you believe in, why the fuck do you believe in this? And then they start kind of like cussing me down. And then the first thing that I would arise to is I'd say, all right, this person's suffering from something. Getting back to like the Buddhist philosophy, I'd say, all right, man, this, this person's suffering from something. He's, he's, this, he's this way because of something that's taken place. I don't it's think like, anyone can be truly atheist. Yeah. I don't think true atheism you know? actually exists. I don't think it does because yeah. at the end of the day, it's still a it's still a it sense is, of spiritual it's still, faith. It's still a set of fundamental. It's it's excuse me. It's a set of fundamental truths and faiths. Yeah, it's at a set of, of ideas. Day, you're ha- you have faith in an idea that you can't make. Yeah, you can't create it. You can't mold Des- it. You can't destroy you it. You can't draw it. You can't write it. Like you have faith in something that you firmly believe is truth. And there's a question that no one can can really answer is that what are we doing here? You yeah, know, what's the point? that's like that's like one of the biggest questions that people have been trying to answer for millennia, for hundreds, hundreds of thousands of years. You know, how did how did we get here? You know, I think that that's one of the things. So when people say I think that they don't actually have a problem with. I, I think what they really have a problem with is maybe the way in which certain people try to preach their religion on them so then these people kind of kick back and then you know they 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 basically they're they're just skeptic of certain certain principles and different types of religions which shit even i'm fucking skeptical about you know in certain regards you know absolutely but yeah but i think a lot of institutionalized religion is incredibly detrimental to people's health society like but I also think that there's a lot of good people that are in religion. Well, and you know? so that's but the it's thing, not it's though. not the good ones you and hear I about. I think it all goes back to your heart. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that if you have such vehement opinions, if your heart is in the right place, that's kind of all that matters. Yeah. Because if your heart's in the right place, you're not going to do anyone wrong. Yeah, but the thing is, is that some people that are like, all right, my heart's in the right place. How do you determine and how do you measure whether someone's heart is in the right place or whether oh, it's not, you know, I mean, and that's a, and that's a tough subject because, because I think there are absolute truths about yeah. morality. So yeah. I'm not going to get into any of that, yeah. but well, that's I a, feel that a, the, the statement of your heart's in the right place. I have a certain moral ideology that I follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a moral compass that you kind of follow in regard to the That's set it. beliefs and character of how you want to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, good conversation. Dude, fucking hey, man. Dude, I know. I love dude, you, dude. Do you know fucking what? Do you know what's really cool? What's that? Is the fact that we were at a miserable um, institution that was our current job, but we still became good friends. Absolutely. 
Dude. And dude, we're like cool so that? opposite. How cool is the fact that like bad circumstances, you'll always, I think, I believe, mm-hmm. will find good people out of that circumstance that you'll probably, will probably be lifelong friends. Absolutely. Dude, well, here's, a, here's a weird thing too. Do you know what's the best? I'm going to interrupt you again. God damn it. I'm going to go on a rant. I hate you, do you know, Ryan. Do you know what's really cool about you? What's that? And it's, it's the sign, I think, of true friendship. What's that? And I think everyone can agree. And if you don't agree, you're fake. <laughs> Is the people that you are going to always be close with, it doesn't matter how often you see them, you see them infrequently, if you can immediately just start talking to someone and like you're at ease that's your friend. Dude, dude, that's like and the first thing. every single time I've thing. ever been around you, I'm like, oh, like, I'm just hanging hey, out dude. with Josh. Hey, dude. Yeah, like, the funny, the funny thing, dude, I have a question for you, actually. I this have is gonna, This is going to, this is going to kind of move into our next form of conversation here. Oh, nice. Dude, guess how long it's been so far? Hour and a half. No, uh, 58 minutes. 58 minutes. That's good. That's a good conversation. So, dude. We'll have to take a break. We will. We will. Let me know when you want to take a break, dude. Because I'm, because uh, with you, I well, knew. As, as you were about to say something. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. And with you, I knew we were going to have to take some breaks today because we fucking, we go deep, dude. We go deep. You know what I'm saying? What, like one, 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 of, yeah, one, of the fine, one of the weird things I find between me and you is how different we are, like in our beliefs. But yet we get like, or not beliefs, dude. but like our hobbies, right? But I think that when it comes down to it, like if you look at it like as a flow chart, we come back down and we have like very similar principles I and mean, how I we do our life. I know why we get along. What is that? We're both writers. We're both. Yeah. That was what I was going to ask you. That was what I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, right? So. I was thinking about this on the way over here when I was driving today. I was like, hmm. I was like, how do you deal? You're a musician mm. in your off time where you kind of like, I remember you, the way you've described it before is that you were actually the first episode of my podcast before, but Hello, due to, no due deal. to, yeah, you know, this fucking whatever due to, you know, fucking technical shit that I was dealing with. Um, I also, I was, I was not in a good Place. Uh, dude, I don't think I don't think I was either, dude. I was still getting used to it. I was still I getting was, used to talk. If, if, you know? I remember after that feeling very manufactured. Mm. So I really like. It felt it didn't feel it didn't feel raw. That I play music. Yeah, it didn't feel raw at all. Mm. It just was like it was like ah, dude, fucking blah blah blah. But the thing the thing that I wanted to talk about was that you're a writer in your professional world, right? Yeah. And you're also a musician in your off time. So one of the weird things that I've kind of thought about is that if I was to take up photography like full time, you know, like would I still enjoy it, you know, how do you kind of find the balance, like you're a writer as your like job, you know, and then you do, you do music like in your off time. Now, would you like sit there and be like, all right, I'm a writer, like as a, in a professional sense. Would you ever sit there and say like, hey, I'm going to go write a book now or I'm going to go and do this? You know, like you're a writer by trade professionally, but yet you get more you get more satisfaction out of BMU. Yeah. Fulfillment out of out of your music, you know. Well, so I think like where's the where's the where's the where's the the duality between that that the duality that, is yeah. I at least for me at the end of the day. I'm collecting. One second. Dude, take your time. Just look at Memphis. He's fucking Memphis. passing out. Oh my god, I love this dog. Yeah, he's a great my dog. Best friend, pal. Dude, best dog ever. Go back to sleep. You're a sleepy boy. It's okay. Love you, Memphis. Oh, he's little black heavy lab. Eyes. Dude, I know. He's best dog he's ever. Alright, so basically you're asking like I write like that's my job. Mm. I write proposals. Mm-hmm. Whatever. A lot of technical writing. Okay. Mm. You know, 
type stuff. Not a terrible job. You know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. At the end of the day, I just like writing. Mm. I love wordsmithing and I love the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. Whether that may be music, because I think what the yin and yang thing that, you know, you asked me is at the end of the day, if it's just writing, I enjoy it because there's sometimes like right now I'm on a music hiatus. Mm. Like I'm purposely not touching my instruments. It's like me with climbing right now. Because, I'm not climbing. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was at band practice a few weeks ago and I told the guys in my band, I was just like, listen, I, I think I need like a month or two I need off. to take a step, just step because back. like, my schedule for work is crazy. I'm never home. Like I just, I need a minute. Yeah. We've been recording. So it's worked out. So we should have something out, you know, in a couple mm-hmm. months or whatever. So if there's a time to take a break, this is a good time. Cause when the EP comes out, I'll want to play lots of shows to mm-hmm. promote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it worked out. And so I guess you have to ask your question again, just because I think it's bigger than like, I have my job. It's a bigger answer, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's how many times have I said that at the end of the day? What is that? I lost whatever. Four and ten minutes, probably. I bet someone's playing a drinking game when they listen. Every time he says "end of the day," drink. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're four beers deep. You're welcome. Um. Anyways. No, we were talking about we were talking about the I'm distinction sorry. the distinction between what is like I get having really into this because well, dude, it's dude, you're being it, this is the beauty of this is that you can actually do you know what it is. What? Do you know why I love writing? Why? Because I just like word vomited all over this mm-hmm. room and all over you. What I love about writing is that I can type something out, stare at it, mm-hmm. and move words around. Yeah. When I write a song, that's what I'm doing. It's like I like this riff. What if I do this riff in reverse? What mm. if I add this chord that wasn't in the riff to this riff? Yeah. Or here's a chord progression. What if I get rid of that chord and add these two other chords where this chord usually was going? And the same thing with lyrics. Does it have a good flow? Ah, you know, this word is the word that I want to say, but it doesn't sound good with all the other words. Mm. So it's why one of my favorite things at work is writing out really like not long but detailed specifically labeled emails yeah precise like precision like in this attached document i need you to do bop 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 anything in yellow needs this person anything in red here's a bullet list like summarizing like i love just taking chunks of things and like copying and pasting them to craft a flow mm like you being in a, so I was talking to someone the other day, being in a flow state for you, for you. All right, let's talk about, let's talk. I want to ask you about flow mm-hmm. for you. Where do you find your, you, do you know what I'm talking about? A flow state where you're yeah. like in that creative atmosphere you're in your rhythm. Yeah. You're in your rhythm. Now, how long do those states usually last for you? So I am a type of person, whether, whether it's writing or music. So I have to be in, in order for me to have a flow, I have to be totally in control of my time. Mm. So time is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's why at a former employer that I worked at that maybe you worked at too. Uh, one let's of the, not, I've just, 
let's not say the employer's name. Oh, no, 100%. Please. Yeah. No Just because, you know, professional. They know who they are. I'm not yeah. worried about it. Okay. Um, I love my current job, though. Cool. Shouting out. Um, way, like, certain employers haven't worked for me is when they're just like, this is when you take your break. This is when you take your lunch. This is when you take micromanaging. If yeah. it goes outside of these parameters, you need a written statement. Like you need something, a good reason why you didn't take your lunch from 1230 to one people need, don't need a leash. Okay. No, they, they, people need bosses. There needs to be people some... need parameters. Yeah. People need, um, uh, borders. People need inst- like broad outlined instruction. Well, dude, However, needs, you need to let people work. There needs and to be so some. And so, in my current of, uh, job, you know, some could say that, oh, like Ryan takes like pretty like frequent breaks or whatever. But that's because it's kind of my flow, and if I can be in control of that flow, I'm gonna work a lot longer. Yeah, because I think they're work. I don't hate work. I don't hate having to do tasks, but I want to be able to do it at my own speed. Mm-hmm. Like even my mom from very very young. Uh, my mom would sell this to my brother. My brother, you know, he's older than me, whatever. He would try to tell me what to do or whatever, you know, he's older siblings. But what my mom would always tell him is like, listen, like if you want Ryan to get something done, he hates to be pestered. Mm. He'll do it. He might not do it on your time, which is a detriment to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I go at my own speed too much. Yeah. But you know, if he has a deadline, he'll do it. Before that, he's got his own approach to how he's going to do something. I think that when oh, it comes to oh, that's the task. Okay, yeah. I got it. Go away. And I think that with yeah. like certain organizations, there needs to be some, there needs to be some form of transparency with how they 100%. approach it. You know what I mean? Like, because if you try to micromanage, like there's a saying. I remember I was watching a documentary on like how Navy SEALs actually end up like in order to in like there's officers right the people that are going to be implementing the plan and yeah. then there's the enlisted side the guys are going to be the ones that carry out the plan you know and they had to um like set off these explosives and so they said hey what's the timer oh we don't know and so then the fucking navy chief is like well you know i don't like he, he says he's like i don't like micromanagers he's like but this is how you fucking create them mm-hmm. because the explosive they didn't know when the explosives were going to go off it was a, it was a navy seal class 234 and i i kind of resonate with that saying he's like i don't like micromanagers but this is how you create them is that because sometimes people don't do the right thing and then they instill more fucking protocols they instill more protocols they instill more pro and then it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem human you know it just right. seems very robotic in nature so I think that there's like, even if you're going to enforce some form of micromanagement, there's still, it's like, Hey, we're going to implement this new fucking policy. Look at the movie office space, right? The guy's got eight bosses and he fucking has like eight different fucking people coming when he makes a mistake. And it's like, dude, I understand. Like, I'm not going to see another dime, you know? And it's like, well, Hey, you know what? I take this work very personal for me. Like me, whenever I do work, I take it very personal. I want to do a good quality product. Do you, you know? do you want to know what the two things I need to know? What's that? To get something done. What? A, what do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. How long do you need it? Mm-hmm. When do you need it by? Yeah, when do you need it? That's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. If I have questions, I'll come to you. Yeah. And I think that successful teams, units, workspaces, what have you, its functionality is a bunch of people... It's just like, you can, 
here's what you need to get done. Here's when I need it by. But you can self-govern yourself. Because if this job is worth it to you, you're going to get it done. Mm. If you don't get it done, clearly this job wasn't for you. Yeah. And clearly, like, you either need to quit or we need to fire you. Yeah. Because when it comes to work, and I even look at this even with with music is it's all at will no one's no one's no one's got a yeah i was about to say no one's got a fucking gun to your head go work ryan Mm -hmm. go to your job go to band practice i'm doing it because i'm choosing to do it yeah yes i get a paycheck from my job and i need that paycheck however but dude i don't think i'm not i literally i don't think when it when it comes to flow or you're in that state i don't think about the money like unless unless uh, like it comes back like let's say it's like a Thursday or a Friday I'm like oh wow I'm getting fucking paid tomorrow you know I'm gonna yeah. go gonna go to the fucking strip club dude <laughs> fucking you know sit there and get a get a lap dance from a couple dudes you know I'm, oh, I'm just kidding <laughs> no, I'm just kidding that's a total joke but no it's like when you're in that flow state right like I don't yeah. think about I don't think about the aspect I think about the product that I want to give you know and I think that that is what defines yeah. certain people from others is that when like work ethic I don't think that you can really like teach someone that you know like or because dude i remember when we were at that job it's 100 uh, well, well, percent an inherent intelligence yeah dude i remember 100%. when we were at that job there was a there was a girl that was like new she's she's like she's like um what did she say she's like, oh yeah you're gonna have to do this you're gonna have to call on it or something and then she's like i wasn't trained to do that i'm not gonna do that like just basically didn't ask to like just a complete black and white, Dude. you know, complete black and white. And it was just like, what she should was, have said was like, I've never done that before. Can you show me? Yeah. And so then that would show me the complete difference in how some people approach work. You know, maybe she's maybe like, she fucking hates that job, but then it's like, I think people need to find a duality. Like they need to find here, a, what a, else dude. Again, again, it's balance. Here. Like dude, the other day when I was doing, I had, um, I had my final projects I had to do for school the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And so my parents, I had to apologize to them afterwards because, dude, when I'm in, like, my state, like, when I'm in my state, dude, I'm I'm literally, like, I'm in another world, dude. I'm in another place entirely. I'm just, what I'm doing is I am just in space. I'm like a fucking astronaut, and I'm just structuring this, like, space station the way I want to fucking look at it, the way I want to structure my writing, and I'm just sitting there, like, listening to music, and I'm just moving all of these different things together in my head. And I don't have like a process. Like I'm not writing it down. It just comes naturally. So I see it. it. So I see it in my mind's eye. Right. And then all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. And I'm like, fuck. And it just, I come back down and I get like thrown into this sense of like realist or, or realism. Like, and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm now grounded. I'm not in my flow state. I'm not mm. in my artful kind of aspect, right? And the same thing, dude, with photography, where you have, you're looking through the viewfinder, right? And you see everything taking place around, and you're just kind of like going around, and you're waiting for that one specific moment to take place, a handshake, a fucking facial gesture, or, or a facial expression, something like that, you know, the, the body language, waiting for that one specific mm. decisive moment. You're in the flow state, right? And the exact same thing you probably experience when you're, you're, when you're doing music. You, you, hear, you hear all the different tonalities. You hear all the different riffs that you're talking about. You hear all these different things. And I'm just like, man, all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door. It's my mom. And she's like, hey, I just wanted to come visit you. And I'm like fucking pissed off. The thing <laughs> is, though, is that like, she doesn't know that you're in the flow. She doesn't know that I'm in the flow. And I knew that this was going to happen. So I was like a little on edge. And so then like, 
I, I called them like the following day. So I try to get back into it, right? I try to get back into it. My dad comes up, he knocks, knocks on the door. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm like, guys, like, look, like, leave I, me alone. I, yeah, I'm like, leave me alone right now. Like I'm trying to do it and dude, it throws me off for the entirety of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, it throws me off the rest of the kind of day. And so that's, that's tough, especially like when it comes think, to like, so maybe if I'm going to diagnose you with something, sure. I feel that maybe you should work on your interpersonal agility. No, I, I do. I do. 100%. And I think that's, that's, it's a, it can be kind of. It's kind of weird. It can be a fun game. Interpersonal agility. Can you def can you like elaborate a little well, bit on that? Well, I just made that up thinking mm -hmm. about it. But it's it's the idea of even when you're in your workflow, mm. if someone comes up to you and whether it be about work or not about work, having the ability to be like, my approachable. work's not going, approachable. My yeah. work's not going anywhere. I'm going to get it done. This person clearly has a reason why they're interrupting me. So I'm going to give them the time of the day and I'm going to be like, yes. So well, I, I had a job interview once. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the person interviewing me kept going back and forth to the laptop and their phone the whole time they're talking to me. And at the end of the interview, they were just like, okay, this, this was great, whatever, all this stuff. And then they sent me an email and be like, oh, the interview went really well. And I was just like, I'm going to be like, completely honest with you. You're like, the interview went well? How do you know that? And I'm just, you know? well, no, I basically told them, I'm just like, well, thanks for letting me know it went well, but I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to email you and say, I'm not interested mm. because of the fact that you couldn't give me the time of day in yeah. the interview. So if that's how you are in an interview, I can't imagine the way you're going to be as a boss, essentially. I didn't say it as bluntly as that. But, but that was kind of the undertone. The but it was basically it. just like, yeah. I'm not worth your time. Like, I don't want to work for you. You'll never give me your time. Yeah. So, but I totally get you what you mean. Sometimes when I work from home and if, and if Hannah's here, um, and it, there's been those certain times where I'm like, ah, I'm in my space. So with that being said, I think it's, you have to communicate that to people ahead of time. So when I say interpersonal agility, I mean like as well as can you get a little as well as you know giving them the time, being upfront with people, being like I need to go in my workspace. Mm -hmm. Like if you need me, think and wait and see if you need me that much, or talk to me in an hour. I do that a lot with people, especially at work. Like if I'm getting bombarded by people that like I'm helping out or supporting while I'm trying to do a project, I'll email them or message them or text them and be like, listen, I'm going to get to it, but I need an hour. Yeah. I'm not, I'm Don't not throwing you off to the wayside. Just I'm, I've got a lot. Don't going talk on. to me. Yeah. And I think that if, if you say that in a neutral way, People really respect that. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. I think people are like, okay, like, I'll I because you put it on the hour. Like if I tell you, text me in an hour, and you text me exactly one hour, I'm all yours. Yeah. Because I already because you gave you, them, you're expecting I'm just it. Like you've given yourself my your expectation. Own, yeah, yourself, yourself time limit. I mean, I think the thing with me is that it's mostly setting. Mm. Is that like when it comes to work, you know, like I know that I'm in a work environment, people are gonna bother me. So maybe it's this subconscious thing that I, I'm aware of, you know, and at that job, you know, working in an office setting, people walk up, dude, fucking people, Jesus Christ, dude, you, you know, people walk up to me all the time 
And for the most part, I, I was never un, I was never confrontational with someone, but I know that I'm in that kind of setting. So I can I'm like maybe subconsciously I've I've told myself that I'm in this setting and I'm like, okay, people are going to ask me questions here, but I'm not doing anything like from a personal creative aspect. I know that I'm doing this for work. You know what I mean? I know that I'm doing this in order to produce a certain product, but it's not coming from a creative, deeply personal aspect of what I'm trying to do for like a project or what I'm trying to do for school to better myself. You know, like, yeah, I'm doing this for work. I'm doing this for whatever. But I think one of the biggest things that can determine different types of flow states maybe be the setting. You know, that's why some people can write really well in like a coffee shop. Some people can write really well not being in a coffee shop. Some people will write really well being in nature. You know, I met a guy fucking writing his book on top of fucking Mount Garfield one time, like a few years ago. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, he pulls out a fucking laptop and he winds fucking blowing and he's like, oh, dude, I write the best when I'm on the top of a mountain. He's like, mm -hmm. this is just my flow state, dude. I just, I need to have my blood flowing. He's like, this is, this is where I write That's my so best. Cool. Yeah. And so there's different, I want to say like, I agree with you, you know, yeah, maybe I need to have like more mental agility, but the problem with me that in that specific moment was that I didn't know when they were going to be showing up. Yeah. So like I'm trying to, well, it's that's, like 10. Hence the word yeah. agility, you know? Yeah. So I'm that's, trying to. The agility is something my dog has really taught me about mm. in the sense of, um, for those listening, um, he's a lab Aussie shepherd mix. So he's he, the Aussie shepherd. He's real high energy and he's really fast. But what's really cool about him too is he's super coordinated and you can nothing like throws him off like he'll if something surprisingly gets in his way he'll go around it mm -hmm. so i was watching him one day just playing outside he got like the zoomies or whatever and he's bing 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 like shifting around stuff like zooming in and out of like trees and stuff and it was kind of this inspiring kind of moment where i was just like my personality needs to be like this mm. like I need to work like this. I need to be able to go 110%. And if an obstacle gets in my way, just move around it. Just because guess what? Around. I'm mm. still in the backyard. I'm going to come across it again. But if I can't move it because of what I'm doing, which is running around, mm -hmm. I'll get to it. I don't know. I don't know if that made sense. No, that makes sense. I really have to pee. We're going to take a break. We should take a break. Uh, yeah. and we're back back why was that what was that the ah uh. sometimes that's what my brain does when mm. i don't want to like be having a conversation i feel you that's usually that's what why i do i was saying it right now because i don't want to talk to you anymore okay i can't stand you you says you're sitting there laughing josh just sucks say josh sucks five times fast i can't i already tried I did it so fast that you didn't even see me say it. But you did it? I did it. I, do. I, I can't. thought you said you can't. I, I can't say it because I said it so fast that it, you, it's not even in existence. Damn. Dude, I know, right? Do you ever think about existence? I do. I do. That's what, that's what we're actually... Dude, that's what we're talking about. Dude, that's what the fuck we were talking about earlier this morning. Is that Bob Lazar shit, dude. Right? Dude, you need it, dude, bro. Dude, uh, see, here's the thing about aliens with me. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's so obvious that it's real that I hate that we're still talking about it like it's a conspiracy. Let's just all meet in the middle and say, this is probably true. Mm. 
The end. The thing, the thing that I think about with aliens is actually not the concept of aliens, is that we just need a little bit more realistic approach to it. Like, we need, like, imagine some guy that lives with his mom in his basement. And he's like, man, the aliens are about to get me, dude. It's like, and then you're just like, okay, this guy is obviously suffering Alex from... Alex Jones. Jo- okay, Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a very high-energy individual. Can so I whenever, just tell you whenever one Whenever thing? I listen to him, His episode, to... his four-hour-long episode on Joe Rogan, I've listened to it probably six times. Dude, it was a really good episode. I'm not going to lie. That was like their longest when podcast When he gets like done. super angry with... Eddie Bravo, when like Eddie Bravo was clearly dude. messing with him, yeah, that was my favorite thing. Yeah, because he was like, Aah! "Well, dude, the thing is, is that like the thing that Eddie Bravo believes in, and then the He's thing like, that Alex Jones believes in. Here we have two completely different philosophies in like, what is it? You know, conspiracy theories. But the thing about that I found very interesting is that if any anybody listening, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you head over to Joe Rogan's podcast and you listen to Bob Lazar. I, I wouldn't I'm not going to voice my opinion on the documentary because as a film as a photojournalist and a journalist myself <laughs> Jeremy Corbell which is the guy who actually wrote the documentary You've got some opinions I've got certain opinions on how he I, I don't I think he's a great artist as a person I respect him as an artist but his storytelling capacity and for the documentary I'm a little I, I, I have some few critiques that's going to be, be that's going to be a whole different fucking that's a whole different conversation but if you head over and you listen to that conversation between Bob Lazar, Joe Rogan, his story has been very consistent across the last 30 years. But basically what it entails is the concept of extraterrestrial life and the way in which we possessed certain technology that isn't out there right now. And then if you get into Einstein's theory of general relativity and special relativity, such as like like you were talking about with time travel, and uh, dude, it's, it's a whole fucking, dude, it's, it's, a, it's a slew. That's a whole a conversation, dude. Shoot. If you could go back to one historical, um, one historical event, what would mm. you go to? That's a very tough question for me. You just give mm. me one, top of your head, boom. I don't know, man. Because I know a lot of history, but the thing is, is it's it's, tough, t- it's huh? tough to narrow it down. Do because what I would do what? I would love to go back to one of like the massive um, revolutionary war battles, mm. like the Battle of Yorktown or something, mm-hmm. to just see the mass um, chaotic organization of what line battles, and mm. then to see the chaos that like. The colonials used in like guerrilla warfare to like throw the British off. I just want to see orchestrated chaos. I think that's a really if I think at a di- at a distance as disgusting as war is. I've never experienced it firsthand. That's what I was just about to say. However, okay, there is something about spectating chaos that I would love to see. Well, you you get the ability to do that through television, right? Which is exactly what... But I want the real thing. Well, here's the distinct thing, is that if you want the real thing, you're... That's a very distinct thing, dude, that you're you're playing... Because I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is, but that's the thing, is that... You could even say that I don't know what it is, because maybe maybe the experiences that they had in line battles back then were a lot different. But when you actually see the impact 
of war in front of you, it's a lot different. And that's why people live vicariously because they don't understand it. It's definitely it's, selfish. It's, 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 I will say that it. my desire to see that is very selfish because I was a kid who hmm. loved war movies. My, you know, my dad was in the military. Well, I loved we, to like wear his old stuff. I loved to pretend. When I was a kid, I was just like, oh, I'm going to be in the special forces. Like, this is me as a little kid. I cannot understand, which is why my hat is off to people who have experienced this weird thing called war, this fucking out of control phenomena. And I so badly and selfishly just want to spectate it as a fly on the wall. I'm just going to go off on a rant here for a second. Right. Hit me. I wouldn't really consider Put it a rant. Put me in my but... place if I'm taking oh, no, too no, many no, steps. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. I don't mean any There's... of this disrespectfully. I really want that to be known. Right. It's cool. I don't think I don't think that any I don't think anybody's gonna be I know knocking that on. You've experienced well, no, no. Because the, here's the thing. Hold on. Before you go on your rant, I know that you have experienced such terrible things, mm. and I selfishly just want to watch it. Hmm. Back in the 1960s, 1970s, there was the Vietnam War going on, and this was one of the first times in history that people were able to actually see live broadcast of war being done in front of them right and this was in before the advent of censorship and there was a south korean police chief who was interrogating a north korean um viet cong member and north vietnamese north vietnamese well was he korean he was north korean yes okay so the 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 vietnam or excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm fucking. I'm fucking this up. South Vietnamese, okay. North Viet. Sorry, dude. My, my mind's elsewhere right now. I'm picturing dude, everything. Um, so shrooms, okay. yeah. So the so so the it's not on shrooms. Not on shrooms. So the South Vietnamese. Sorry, I'm. I was elsewhere. Um, I see the event like right in front of me. That's why. Um, yeah. So the South Vietnamese police chief had this North Vietnamese um, insurgent in front of him, and what he did was there was a live broadcast on television this completely unannounced they didn't actually know that this was going to happen the police chief holds a pistol to the north korean's head or excuse me north vietnamese head and just shoots him mm-hmm. in on live television now this sent vibrations up and down the spectrum of the journalistic world and also what should be allowed on tv and what should not and every single night in vietnam millions of americans would tune in to watch the violence take place because they were living vicariously through these acts. Voyeurism. Yes. So what they're doing is they're experiencing these extreme levels of trauma going on within these other people outside the world. Now, I have a friend right now. I'm not going to mention his name. Sure. But he wants to join the Marines, right? And I'm doing a hike with him maybe a few weeks ago. And he says to me, he's like, man, we should... I, I, I don't... I don't... I don't... I don't hate him at all for wanting to do this. I don't hate his viewpoints. But one of the things that stuck out to me was that the things that he was saying was is that, you know, hey, maybe we should maybe we should take this act, this anger out on these people or act out on this. And the thing is is that violence is a disease and it spreads. And so like when people say that they want to bomb the Middle East or they want to kill all these people, there's no difference between that in what we do with Hitler did with the other people. It's your perspective that changes. That's what the distinction is, is the way in which your perspective is viewing someone else. 
is that is this person my enemy? Do I hate these people? Do I hate these people that killed my friends when I was over in Afghanistan? I do. I hate them. But there's also a lot of innocent people that are out there as well. I, 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 do, I, do I hate the man that pulled the trigger and killed my friend that I went to high school with? Potentially, I do. And I actually met a guy when I was there who said that they had killed that guy. And then he got on a helo and he vacated our area of operations. So he says to me, he's like, hey, the first thing that he says is he, st he doesn't say, hey, I'm sorry about your friend. He says, I'm pretty sure they got the guy that killed him. And he's like, oh, by the way, I was there. He was there. And seeing it take place when one of my friends was killed, uh, I found out he was killed September 26th mm. before um, I even was in Afghanistan. I was about 300 miles away. Mm -hmm. I was the closest person essentially to him from home, at least where he grew up. And so here we have this level of anger that I have. Now, if I act out on that anger and I want justice, I want to kill that guy. Mm. What is that going to, when I, when I finally get it, when he's gone, is that going to bring my friend back? Am I, am I going to, am I going to be able to rectify this situation by that's extremely selfish on certain people's aspects of life. But also, like, when it comes back to what my friend was saying, these are, these are people. These are people we're talking about that have stories, that have families. These are not objects. And that's what people obviously have problems with. Or they, they view the, that, that war that you want, to, you want to go observe that. Those are, those are people. 100%. Those are, those are actual people. Now, if we go back and we revisit that moment and we know that we can't have any change in regard to that we know that it's going to act out the exact same way okay i understand your perspective you want to see this taking place and you know that there's no way that you can change this history then i would be like okay i want to go there with you and, and revisit it you know but then that brings <laughs> us back to the concept of being present being in the past and being in the future i know that this guy that's standing in the third rank fourth down from the formation is going to die i know that in my mind it's already solidified so i can prepare myself for that mm. right i can mentally be aware that this guy is going to die but when you come back to the present and you're unaware of the future and you look to your left and you look to your right and you're in his shoes and you don't know what's going to take place that's where the fear comes from and then you see the guy get shot and then you watch the screams and the agonies and you see everything take place what really scares people is that fear that moment and also their life of the fragility of life and so when i hear an afghan girl screaming from a well that was shot by an afghan policeman and drops her down there in order to cover up the evidence and then i hear her screaming i hear stories i hear her capacity as a child and i hear all the potential that she has being vacated from her spirit because she's no longer going to live and so then when the screaming stops you know that that her story has ended and so there, all that potential goes away. Hmm. So when people say that they want to commit this or that, or, you know, when you say that you, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not harping on you. Dude, I've seen the, me. I've seen the raw potential that exists that humanity can have. So when you, if I can interject really sure, quick, go ahead. is I want to see the entire human experience. Mm. But that and, and so with that, there is still that curiosity of, I want to see what humans are really capable of 
when the metal hits the meat mm. in a lot of ways. And I think it's because of the fact that I haven't experienced it. So it, it is all this voyeuristic, you know, the only way that I've quote unquote seen what you've seen is war movies. Mm. It's through, it's through the guise of a it's filter, a, it's mm. a story, yeah, a comic book, a movie, mm what have you and that's why some people it's so appealing to them it kind of draws them into that aspect but then once they once they experience it they're like every single story that someone says you know even back all the way to greek roman times you know we have all these it's greek, so glorified it is it and is it's it, there's this this you know i think it's also really uh, hits home in the american narrative of war in the fact that it's it's much of it is in this patriotic blanket. So you get hooked on that because it makes you feel like you're supportive. Mm. But what I really like, and maybe this is me just like going on a tangent about war films, like the war films that I enjoy, and you might probably hate them all. I am assuming that you probably hate all war. No, movies. no, no. Or I maybe, think, I, I think, think maybe you, if I can project on you, the majority of war movies you think are garbage. I wouldn't say garbage. I think that they try to convey a message that is extremely difficult to conceptualize and gotcha. put together in just like a few hours. When it would be like it would be like trying to it would be like trying to explain your life story. Like in from two and, a half hours. two and a half hours. Where you have this window of something that's so fucking crazy. Like, hey, why do you why are you this way? You know, right. and I think that what they try to do is they try to conceptualize all these different stories of what war really is. And that's I'm just thing. a sucker for the human element of yeah. things like this. And But you also have to see it from, well, I don't want to say you have to see it, but my perspective on war is that I don't necessarily say, I have a very Buddhist approach to war, you know? And what I mean by Buddhist approach to war is that it's like, I don't, if we didn't intervene in World War II, where we knew that what was taking or we didn't know what was taking place right would how would the world have played out you know would millions and millions of more people died like if we didn't if, if all of europe was still under the reich yeah and like that was just something we just live with yeah li excuse me lived with if we didn't drop the atomic bombs on hiroshima that was one of the main things within my history class if we didn't do that how would have that played out you know to, to come up with those to come up with those like different distinct like you're playing with extreme you're playing God yeah essentially you know and so you have to you are you are creating an apocalypse yeah and you have to make those Jenga moves of is the is everything gonna crumble or are you just gonna move one piece and you kill a hundred thousand people but everything stays and it stays and then you start putting the pieces back into the Jenga so that it's actually a little bit more stable you know, and that's what happens when we do these things such as, you know, people's opinions on certain aspects of foreign policy and why the United States is such a important kind of, um, we, I don't want to, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, I was trying to find the right word, how we kind of stabilize certain sections of the world, you know, whether it be North and South Korea, whether it be back in the day when it was East, West Germany, whether it be our, um, you know, uh, what is it? Our kind of, I don't want to say sphere of influence, but the way in which the world operates now based on how we were back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, and there's a lot of 
our, our presence, excuse me, that's what it was, our presence in the world, does, do, do, are we doing more harm than good? And that's the thing, is that some people will argue that, you know, tooth and nail, in order to say that our presence in the Middle East is, is not needed or isn't needed, you know? And the thing is, is that we don't know the outcome of these situations now. And I think that even military, key, key military leaders have trouble with that, even in today's perspective, mm. you know? Um, but back to, you know, wanting to understand or experience that human element of war is that again, I have like a, my take is that are these people my enemy? Do I hate this man that killed my friend? If you asked me about nine or 10 years ago, I would have, or fuck even like 10 years, 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have told you, yes, I want that man dead because I didn't understand anything, you know, but there's a book called At Hell's Gate that chronicles the actual distinct differences between the way veterans return home from war in World War II than the Vietnam veterans. What's the book called again? At Hell's Gate by Claude Anshin Thomas. And his father served in World War II, right? So they were welcomed home as heroes. And so I know the American people now in today's, in today's kind of, you know, society, they just, I don't want to say they blindly say, hey, thank you for your service. Maybe they're trying to make a connection based on prior history of their families or whatever, you know, saying, hey, thank you for your service because they don't know how else to make the connection. But that's... I, I'm going I'm, I'm to interject something really quick, though, because sure. I think that... I think that that's... A lot of people do that in a very self-serving way. And my... Uh, I'm not going to say who... But I know someone who's like lost it on someone who like said, you know, like, oh, like, thank you for your service. And it was Memorial Day. And this person that I know lost it in a 7-Eleven, like, checkout line being like, what are you thanking me for? Like, what do you want? for? It's not about me. Like, I'm just yeah. trying to buy cigarettes. Like, they got really mad. And that- what I equate it to is so I grew up in the church. And so uh, a common thing that people would do is just like, if you didn't know them, they would come up to you like, oh, like God's put it in my heart that I need to pray for you. Mm. And it would happen to me a lot because I played music and I would go play at these like, you know, worship nights or like, you know, conventions or whatever. And someone would just be like, uh, man, like, I just feel called to pray. I'm like, no, you're only talking to me right now because you saw me up there playing music. Mm. And you want to somehow, like, tomorrow morning, probably, when you're drinking your coffee, like, oh, I talked to the guy who, you know, played the show. Ridiculous. Something like that. Like, so, <clears throat> am I saying people should stop thanking veterans for the service? No. But I think people should really check themselves. Because as someone who's not a veteran, I can't imagine what that ultimate sacrifice looks like. Well, then would you, you know, well, then you could even make the argument, well, then if you talk to, okay, so back to, back to what I was saying about when Claude comes home, Mm -hmm. right? He's in the airport, right? And all the trauma, he he, he killed hundreds of people, hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. He was a helicopter door gunner. You can imagine the trauma that he went through right or how he had adjusted to life now when they were carved bodies so when they were when when they when they came home from world war ii there was a very visible enemy we were responding to an attack that we had received and so the public's persona at the time was that there's a clear distinction between who was good and who was bad right the japanese committed 
sheer atrocities on the Chinese people and all the other the, the Okinawans they did they used civilians as a shield and counterinsurgency tactics against the US Marines when they were fighting right and they would use they would booby trap babies that were newborn they just would, like how the what was it the Soviet Union would use um, like kids with Down syndrome possibly. to run under tanks yeah possibly yeah. like dogs you know mm-hmm. Yeah, they use dog. Yeah, they use dogs as as mines or to weigh as anti anti mine or excuse me, uh, anti tank devices. Strap a dog full of bombs and be like, just run into that group. Yeah, but then the thing is, is that the problem with that was that the dogs weren't acclimated to the sounds of the tanks, so the dogs would actually often run back to their handlers, and then so they had a fuse, because there was no way to remote detonate the the bombs because it's fucking Shout out Soviet. Shout to those dogs. Yeah, so those dogs would run back to their handlers. But dude, Sorry. I mean, if you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about the Soviets, dude, they they were trying. The Germans were just eviscerating their entire fucking people. You know, they were trying. They had they had to resort. I don't want to say they had to. Well, but I mean, they were, they, technically they did because at that had, point it was just like it's either we have our country or we don't. Yeah. And so they 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 were utilizing tactics in a way. The Eastern Front was brutal as shit. That's the 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 Russian people. My hats off. They won. Well, they won. A majority, a majority of World War Two, absolutely. They they destroyed the Wehrmacht, like off the, of will, dude. That's a whole. That's a whole. <laughs> the Eastern Front is a whole another subject. But when Claude is in the airport, yes, his father, sorry. his father had told him that when you come home from war, you're going to be welcomed here as a hero. You're going to be welcomed home as a and someone in the airport is going to walk up to you in uniform. They're going to walk up to you and they're going to kiss you and they're going to say good job. That's not what happened with Vietnam veterans. When they came home, they were shunned. And so when Claude is going through his traumatic episode, he's actually revisiting his trauma as he's in the airport, and he was wearing his uniform. Now, when he landed, he was told, okay, guys, like, it's better if you go change real quick so that people don't don't spit on you or they don't, like, chastise you for coming home. Now, we're just talking about maybe three decades in the way in which the American persona of how their perspective can change in regard to something right which is exact that can flip in a second in the exact same context today so if people say hey thank you for your service there there's a good positive public thing that they're trying to possibly make the connection i'm going to get back to the the thing at, at with the 7-eleven with the guy in there right mm-hmm. they're trying to make a connection from something where veterans against their sheer will where they, their lives were interrupted they were drafted you know and they're trying to do the right thing and a lot of people dodged the draft you know but they're also they under maybe they understand the violence and they don't want to partake in this you know i can't hate them for that that's their that's their that's their everybody has their do you think that's their the war. idea of like what are we fighting for potentially like yeah. if i was fighting back in the civil war you know i think about this if i was fighting back in the civil war and i'm north against south like what the fuck I don't fucking give a shit about this personally I'd be like I don't give a fuck about this dude fighting a fucking like the style of fighting that I know like I'm just gonna be in a line somewhere and I'm just gonna fight I'm just a, I'm just a body I'm like man yeah. fuck this I'm going to Ohio fuck For this what? shit yeah. yeah I'm like man I'm fucking deserting man go fuck go this back to England 20% of all the or 10, 10 to 20% of, of soldiers that served on both sides defected they had huge problems with desertion back in the Civil War absolutely absolutely it's like you know, if there was a war between Massachusetts and New Hampshire, I don't yeah. want to kill anyone in Massachusetts. 
right? Of, so of because they, I, I don't, yeah. I don't so get too deep. yeah. So then, what takes place is that Claude is walking through the airport, and all the things that were told to him by his father, he's using it as as a security blanket in order to kind of help him with his his trauma. The girl walks up to him, and he sees it, and time slows down, and this woman starts walking closer and closer and closer to him, and everything that he's experiencing or he had experienced is going to go away. He's going to find love with this girl, and they're going to get married. They're going to have kids, and it's just all this this beautiful symphony is just taking place in his head. The woman walks up to him and spits right in his face and says, how dare you? And then he feels so ashamed of what he had just gone through. He feels ashamed of what he had done. And so what he does is he hates the Vietnamese people, right? He goes into the bathroom and he changes. And he had never felt more ashamed of anything in his life. So he never put on a uniform ever again. Now about 30, 40 years goes by. Or maybe maybe 25, 30 years goes by. And he's in his 40s and now he's making a couple life changes. Now this man has experienced some shit with his traumatic stress, right? From what he experienced in war. And I don't want to give the book away if anybody wants to read it, but basically the person that took him under his wing to help him was the very people that he actually viewed as his enemy. Mm. He learned Buddhism from a Vietnamese monk who actually took him in under his teaching and taught him how to live in a better transformation with his trauma than he did through Americans, whether talking. Because remember how I told you talking only does so much, but there's like some form of spiritual practice, spiritual faith, whatever you want to have, you know, and you have to have that burning desire to want to change. So through his trauma, when people experience these traumas, more than likely those people are susceptible to being open-minded to certain ideas of trauma. That's why when veterans come back home from war, maybe, you know, there's veterans that experience all sorts of things, you know, they get aggressive, all these, all these slight undertones from what seems like a normalcy to them when it comes to war, you know, and then you have these people experience these different kind of memories in different ways. And you know, that's why it's a case by case basis, you know, like what one trauma is to one person is not going to be the same that triggers me, you know? And so that's why like when you're, when that person in Seven Eleven yells at that guy and says, fuck you for saying that to me. What he's really saying and what it's actually disguised as is it's disguised, I know as cliche as it sounds, but it's disguised as love. And what that is, is that that's his love coming out from anger because anger is an extremely powerful emotion that veterans act out on because that's what they're taught to act out on that anger, right? Because Marines, specifically us, don't laugh, don't cry, don't smile, don't do any of that shit. You fucking do what the fuck I tell you to do. And you use that aggression over another emotion such as sadness or fear. If you get angry and you get fucking pumped up and cocky and confident, you're going to win wars. Now, coming out of that, if you can't fix that or you can't find the way to manage that, when you come outside of that environment, you're going to maintain that aggression for a large majority of your life. And it takes a lot of energy to kind of like in self-awareness to want to not say get out of it like dude aggression is good for certain things when i work out man fuck dude you know i'm sitting there beating the shit out of my dick dude oh man it's amazing dude every sport yeah but that aggression i i want to say that certain aspects of aggression is good and when people say control you also need to get it out yeah and i want to say that other things with controlled aggression that's also a slippery slope too because controlled aggression is it are you is there any power without control what is control and what is power these are two distinct emotions that people need to sit with is that when you say get it out what do you mean get it out get what emotion out 
Is that just slight misunderstanding, slight avoidance, slight denial? Maybe, potentially. I don't know. Again, case by case basis, right? But that guy screaming at that other friend, he's acting out on his emotion because he can't connect with that distinction that he has with maybe, again, I'm, I'm dissecting it, but mm -hmm. the potential love that he has for his friends that he was very deeply connected with, with his trauma, right? And so when he says, fuck you for saying that to me, my friends were killed. I miss them. I wish that I could, I wish it was maybe, maybe I wish it was me instead of them. And I would lay my life down for them instead of, mm -hmm. instead of that. So you here you have this, this interpretation of anger and angst, which is actually disguised as a deeper level of emotion, which is love, which is likeness. And so he's acting out with how he was taught aggression because he's being vulnerable here. He's avoiding what's taking place in front of him. So instead of being vulnerable, being weak, hey, you bitch, don't fucking smile. Don't laugh. Don't cry. You know, yeah. he's acting out with an emotion that he connects with, that right. he can distinguish, that he can feel, he can resonate with. Yeah. Fuck you for saying that to me. You know, how dare you not understand that? But how is that person that he doesn't know, how is that person going to make the connection with him? So when someone comes up to me and they say, hey, Josh, thank you for your service. Everything fucking all it goes haywire. But I know that I can sit with myself with my trauma and I can say, thank you, mm. because they don't know how to make that connection. They don't know. It's not that people hate veterans. They just don't know how deep that connection goes. They don't know how deep that experience is. And that's what I think with certain veterans is that like we don't even know how to make the connection ourselves because we can't we can't dissect it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a case by case so basis. It's, it's so interesting because as natural as war is with just people existing mm. geographically in on the same planet, <clears throat> it's I almost feel that some people are just like, oh, like you know war is unnatural and i i don't you see how difficult history, this is history history is <laughs> violent yeah you see how difficult this is well trying I, to decipher how 100 percent, and yeah. it's and once again i think i come across as sounding very selfish in this kind of well dude not you not you not you but every veteran ever because anybody that wants to experience war to make the jump that way right people have these underlying I just want I want to see decisions. what people are capable of and yeah at the end of the day what's that six times drinking game at the end of the day at the end of the day <laughs> drink to that end of the day um yeah. I mean it's, it's that it's that I'm gonna talk about war movies again but um if you seen Fury yes I really enjoyed it I thought it was a good film I really liked to see a World War II film that wasn't just about, you know, America's doing the good work fighting fascism. Like, it was just very much like these guys who have been in battle for the whole war who aren't right in the head, mm -hmm. clearly. And it's like the psychological effects of, like, the tank crews back then, I think, you know, there's they were unsung in a lot of ways. People like to talk about, you know, People make a lot of movie about the infantry guys. Exactly. Yep. To whereas these guys are in an oven all the time. So I can't imagine being stuck in my cubicle for longer than my eight hour shift. Mm -hmm. So I can't even imagine being in an actual moving oven that at any point could blow up and it's obliterate. A bullet sponge, bullet magnet. So yep. where was I going with this? Oh, there's a quote 
uh, Brad Kit, Brad Pitt's um, character says something. Oh fuck! What was it? You know, uh, basically history is violent. What's the quote? I'm gonna look it up right now. Sure. Get um. Well, if we actually look at even even history with Achilles, we can Achilles. Ideals are peaceful. History is violent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've never had. That's what I really like about a lot of of the newer films about how like deeply convicting they are, because I think film is going through this crazy boom because of technology and like The Revenant being all like eye level mm-hmm. was like a trip for me. But when he said that, I got chills. Yeah, because as much as it's just this war movie complex there was a lot of power in that because I'm just like, yeah, no, I, I was super into history. You know, it's been one of my favorite things to talk about since I was a kid. And I was just like, every part of history that I've ever been interested in revolves around violence. Mm-hmm. You know, Brad Pitt, when he was actually playing Achilles in Troy in history, if we look at the way Achilles is actually depicted in the Iliad, he suffered from post-traumatic stress. And so there's a, there's a book called Achilles in America, which talks about how Achilles was this revered warrior and he returns home or he comes back from these battles and he's like, I don't want to, he's like, I don't want to be, he's like, I don't want to fight your fucking battles for you because King Agamemnon was doing it for his own selfish desires. And Achilles was like, I'm going to do this because I'm going to fight for what I believe in. I'm not going to fight for what you want. He's like, I'm going to fight for something that I need or I want. You know, so when you have a man that's doing this for selfish reasons, it's, you know, they, these, it goes even all the way back then. But Achilles suffered a lot from post-traumatic stress, especially a lot of the men that he was killing. And he even talks about it in the Iliad where he says that when he had killed all these men, that the one thing that he, the one thing that he envisions or he experiences in his dreams is all the men that he's killed saying, hey, welcome home, brother. Mm. Because he understands that he's not, when he goes to the underworld or what they believed in back then with Hades and, you know, all the different Greek gods that he was actually going to, he knew that what he was doing was bad and that he was suffering with his own humanity, essentially from, from taking place. And so with war, with war in the movie Fury, that's why Saving Private Ryan was such a pivotal movie back in the day is that it doesn't it doesn't sh- fucking sugarcoat anything there's no there's no there's no literature there's no context here all we're watching is war take place Chaos. in a complete raw fashion men are screaming for their mothers it's bullets flying bodies going everywhere blood that's what war is in some contexts even on the eastern front there was like oh 300,000 men were just surrendered all right cool send them to the send them send them west and just kill them whatever and that's me off? and that's how well that's that's how that's how clear cut that kind of stuff is, you know. And then when it comes to Saving Private Ryan, you put the aspect of what is the value of life. How do you put it, how do you put a price on life? You can't. You can't. And so when he awesome. when he sits there at the end of the movie, and he's experiencing all of these things, and he says, "How do how do I how does one live their life fully?" Now you don't have to be a veteran to also answer that. How do you live your life to the most positive way that you can right and that's something that i even deal with but here's the here's the flip side to it is that my insecurities that i deal with consistently all the time 
I sit here and I say to myself, how do I, am I living my life the best that I can? Am I doing the best that I can? Am I doing enough? You know, and that exact same thing happens at the end of Saving Private Ryan where his insecurities come up and he says, tell me, he looks at his wife and she sa- he says, tell me I lived a good life. Tell me it was all worth it because he's not sure and there's no possible way to determine even getting back to space and human existence, the human experience, how do we quantify how to live a good life and how not to? The homeless guy living on the street, he, f- he sees more fulfillment out of that. And I bet you that he's got way more stories and life experience being a homeless man than someone living that guy that has all these material possessions, right? Back that's, to the material possessions, I, I, right? I, un- so, I definitely see what you're doing yeah. And so, yeah. so it's like, how do I, myself, my insecurities, I say, dude, am I doing the, and, and I get emotional about it, dude. Like you'll see, you'll see me if I watch something, I'll start, I'll start getting teary eyed. You know, now if I avoid these emotions, I avoid all of this stuff. I'm not getting in touch with my vulnerability. And I say to myself, I'm like, if I'm not in touch with my vulnerability, I'm not in touch. I'm avoiding these things. Am I living my life as best as I can? If I'm taking photos and I'm wearing this uniform, am I doing the best that I possibly can for me and the people around me? And so that's where my insecurities always lie and why I always try to do, I create podcasts, I take photos, I write books, I fucking do all this shit. But that, that insecurity is also my driving force mm. for me to move forward is that I take this like, like, you know how you said you use your fucking aggression, you know, and you use this kind of like, it's like, you need to get it out. You need to fucking put it in music. And I think that that's a good quality to have, you know? is that if you can use your insecurity as kind of like a fuel for something to kind of move forward with, and I, I think that that's... Yeah. that you brought up aggression again because of the fact that the only, the only context of being able to let out aggression, whether it's good or bad, has only ever been like two things for me, and that's mm. playing music, and then when I was younger, playing hockey. Mm-hmm. And just like... This is a game where I'm allowed to essentially hurt someone. And then with music, I'm just like, if I break the strings, I can change my strings. If Mm -hmm. I break my guitar, I can always buy a new guitar. So it's always just been like this, you know, the voyeuristic, I guess, thing about me for like when it comes to war is just like, I know humans are. I need to explore this a little bit. I just don't know how to. I think right, kind of like how you're, how you're. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like I don't know what aggression looks like when someone else's life is at stake. Mm. Because we're we we're all capable of killing someone. We all can, but it's the circumstantial will to do so that I just. Have never experienced, and I'm totally honest with you. I'm fascinated with. Yeah. Well, that's. I think that that's that's like because I look at it in animals. Well, so I I make a lot of sense of the world of how I look at animals. How like animals, certain ones have this instinct of I'm just gonna kill this thing. Like a snake, Uh, like a snake or an alligator or a polar bear. Yeah. The most, one of the most violent creatures on this planet. One of the only animals that kills for pleasure Mm. or that will kill something and not use it as food. Mm. Like how a person and whether this context is war or 
honestly a murderer, a serial killer. I want to understand like what brought you to this place. Mm. How did you get here? You have a life in your hand and boom, it's gone. Life is gone. Mm. All that potential missing. Because I've been thinking about death since I was a kid. Mm. Like death has always been this just like, well, I think the, uh, the concept of death is something that, that, even well it's it is exhilarating but it's also extremely fear driven you know like it's very it's it's very fear driven is that we don't we don't know and so when you fear when you experience that kind of fear you kind of approach it with an aggressive undertone because maybe again i'm not dissecting this but you have like this natural tendency from childhood to be like a hockey player which is aggression this music the music you do is you know you're very it's very fast paced it's very high energy and so you can you can feel and touch that energy when you're using your aggression that you can connect with and so when you have this fear you know maybe you feel a little vulnerable you feel a little you kind of feel a little like oh man this is something that's this is this is some crazy like Sometimes it's like some subtle feeling, subtle anxiety that's like if i'm place. really going for it when i'm mm. playing music live and like i'm getting after it and i'll sometimes I play music majority of the time with my eyes shut, mm. but sometimes I'll be going so aggressive that I'll look at people and just look through them. Mm. And there's been certain times where I've felt the person being looked through kind of get like, well, wow, wow. that's like, powerful, dude. Yeah. Like I've seen like faces of being like, damn, like, well, he I looks think, like I think he, he that- wants to like, hurt me or hurt himself hurt me hurt himself like there's something stirring and i just like well i think that that's why art is so important too is that like is dude is that back in the day price on art Art dude back the most important thing to humanity well dude look at look at At back in the day they didn't have they like you know all the all the medications we have today where people say that i do believe that there are people that have certain chemical imbalances and all that kind of stuff but how did people get through those things back in the day through art you know, that's why when we have these, you know, we have these men that are very machismo, you know, very bravado, you know. And the thing is, is that these people say like, oh, it's fucking, you know, there's fucking snowflakes or whatever. The thing is, is that in order for us to actually advance as a culture is that if you look at the Spartan society, right, and then you look at the Athenians, where there are two completely distinct different aspects of life, is that the Spartans are revered for their warrior culture, right? They, they have some forms of art. But what takes place is that if you have softer souls within your culture and you kind of like have, if the Spartans acted as the warrior force and the Athenians ended up coming in and they were revered more for their artwork, their sculpting, their paintings, their language, their love of music, all of these things, what you actually see is a cultural shift in very many distinct different things. So that's why in in America where you see people that have this approach to you know music or being an artist being a painter sculptor whatever they want to pursue as an artist and then you have this guy that's like you know a farmer he's like bunch of fuck fucking faggots you know he's like fucking sculpting and shit you know but ding fuck loser you need to fucking go go rest some pigs you know some shit like that but those the distinct differences is that if you have those bravado men that can protect those softer souls that's how you actually advance as a society and you balance it out because uh, if you have, dude. if you have, if you just have one system over the other, it where it's like, it yeah, well, if you look at it, why the Romans were so successful is because they have, 
these intellectuals, right? These intellectual people who are able to adapt to that. Where the Spartans, if you look, they didn't adapt. They failed not on the battlefield, but they failed over a period of time because when the Romans came to them, they never adapted to the world. They just kept on to this conservative aspect of living. They where stayed they, soft. They, well, no, they stayed, they stayed too hard, but they didn't adapt oh. with the times. And so that's what I mean okay. is that you have, these, you have this system put in place for hundreds of years where they're learning, oh, all right, the agogi, and you're going to fucking do this. You're going to kill the, the helots and all, all sorts of stuff. Again, I'm not a fucking, I'm not, I'm not privy on history, God. but they never, they, what didn't do them in was actually the very thing that they were trying to fight, which was war. What did them in was their cultural values and their society. They didn't, they died off slowly over a period of time not from war, which was the very thing that they were actually trying to fight. Now, when we have like something such as the Athenians or the Romans who lived on for almost 1500, 17, almost two millennia because they, they ended up turning into the Byzantine Empire, you know, and they fell, Constant, Constantinople, you know, it was separated into two empires in 476 AD, you know, Western Roman Empire, Eastern Roman Empire, but they were still considered, you know, one of the most prolific people because of their system of government, their softer souls, their senators. Do you think that the senator over here is going to be on the front lines like the rest of the Spartans? No, he's a soft soul, but he can institute certain policies that will help enable that will the enable society. the killers. Exactly. So you have yeah. your people that are the bravado, and then you have these others. So everybody brings something different <laughs> to society. But if you just have this one approach to something, it'll just collapse. <laughs> I'm telling you one thing. If the United States ever gets invaded, I'm moving down south 100%. Because, honestly, there are more guns in America than there probably is in the entire world. Dude, it's impossible to invade the United States. Dude, I it's impossible. want Bubba and Cooter <laughs> and Scoot in Alabama. I'll do whatever they want. I'll cook for them. I'll make sure the house looks nice. I'll be their bitch. <laughs> no army can penetrate the, that. And I think it's because... There's a there's a demographic of America that is going to literally, if it comes down to it, will fight to the last man. And I think it's very, very real and might get a little political, so we mm -hmm. might have to wrap up. Nope. But cool. I'm just saying, I really just want to tap into the will. Of people. You know what I think drives people together? Getting back to the aspect of struggle? A flag. Turmoil. Oh, wow, you just brought it up. No, because I think what actually brings people together is, is tragedy, is suffering. No one became a team because they were the winners. Nope. People because became you, a team because they lost. If you look at what happened after Pearl Harbor, if you look at what happened after 9-11, we wanted... Everybody came together. Everybody was wearing I Love New York shirts. They created fashion statements. They did all this thing, and it's a shitty thing to say. But there's a saying that I actually resonated, or I remember from Joe Rogan's podcast. He says, tough times make tough men. Soft time, or tough men make soft times. Soft times 
make sovereign men. Or hang on, how does it how does it go? Basically, tough time. Tough men make times softer. Something, yeah, something like I that. Basically, mean. it's yeah. I, I fucking dude, it's, it's we're fucking two in hours and two hours fifteen now. minutes in, dude. Yeah, but nah, it's basically I mean, and there's. Like, I just I want to say again because you know. I've been pushed to this human element that I want to see so bad. Mm. So I can fully understand if someone who might listen to this is just like, no, I've, I've experienced it and it's the worst thing in the world and you're an asshole for wanting to experience it. Even if they say it, I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, know. exactly. It I don't, is what I don't. It is. In the sense of, once again, you don't know what something is until like you experience it. Yeah. Not see it, experience it. There's two different things. Like if if I because I can see something all day long, but it doesn't mean it's real. Yeah, because unless I'm experiencing the thing, it's not real. Let's hypothetically say, in forty, fifty years, you know, I have I have grandkids, and they used to say, "Hey, you're gonna tell your grandkids about this someday," you know, and they would always use that as a as a saying to kind of like, you know, say that we're gonna be kind of like this. We're going to be on the pagoda, you know, and we're going to be on, on the on the pedestal, you know, and we're going to yeah. be revered for our, our stories. You know, we're going to be the, the warrior chieftains, you know, we're going to be the elders of the tribe and we're going to bestow our knowledge and they're going to be our disciples and we're going to learn from these stories. You know, we're going to pass it on like we did fucking paganism, Celtism, you know, shit like that. Um, but in all reality, in Western culture, at least, is if my son or my child came up to me and says, hey, dad. I want to join the military or hey what was your time like in the military the first immediate thing that i would deal with is all of my trauma immediately and i wouldn't know how to communicate i would be reliving remember getting back to this wide fucking 20 mile inch you know 20 mile wide inch deep concept of all of this stuff and it's like say that in 10 words you know, say, say, say all that in 10 words, conceptualize your life in 10 words. You know, it's, it's impossible. You know, it's, you'd have to reflect and meditate on that for fucking hours. Right. It's like, maybe, maybe the 10 words you could say is I know nothing or something along those lines. If my kid asked me, dad, I want to go, I want to join the military. I, I want to go to war. My first immediate thought would be to protect him from that. But I know that in my mind, I can't transfer my thoughts to him. The only way I can do that is through literature is through movies is, is through art. The only way that I know how the real the only real way i know that he's going to experience it to have that real deep connection with me is to experience it firsthand so when you travel back in time and you experience all these things that take place and then you come back to me and you say josh dude wow that was that was some fucking shit and we're going to have an intimate connection i'm going to say yeah dude i know i know how deep that connection goes and then we'll be able we won't words won't even be words will kind of have a meaningless they'll have a meaningless value to them at that point, you know? And that's why, like, when it comes to certain aspects of trauma like that, not only just related to war, but let's say people that have, let's let's even go this far. Let's say people that have children, and unfortunately, they're, like, like there's, there's a miscarriage, right? They need to, they need to have that support network. I, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like. I've, I haven't been down that road, right? But trauma doesn't just, isn't just restricted to veterans. There's multiple layers of different things that people can connect with. Trauma itself, I think, is is a, is a is 
very is is I don't want to say necessary. I think there's a certain amount of struggle that needs to take place with people in order to grow. But I don't like trauma. I think that that's like a little different than struggle. You know, I think like struggle needs to take place for a development. But like, let's say someone it was bullied as a kid or something like that. You know, like I don't fucking know what he's just. You got a small dick. You know, oh, man, fucking telling me I got a small dick. You know, my whole life it was fucking bullshit, man. You know, my dick's like fucking like fifty inches big, dude. You I know. Need to interrupt. Yeah. I got nothing for love for you. I I only have love for you. Thanks, dude. And I know I, this is my way of saying that I'm starting to space out. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I love you so much. I really appreciate conversation. I appreciate it too, man. Because I can convey all this like through words. It's been so much fun. But I don't think We've that it would. About a lot. I don't think that it would really. I don't think it would really do any justice. Can I be for, a reoccurring person on your podcast? Yeah, dude, dude, dude. We can do this. I can do remote podcast. Can I be your Eddie Bravo to your Joe Rogan? Sure. That crazy guy that you just bring on, just dude. Like, you're not. Ah! Yes. Wow. All that was. A, that was. That's gonna kill someone's ears up there. I think I'm gonna eat some tacos, dude. All right. Well, hey, Ryan. Thanks for doing this, dude. This has probably been one of the better podcasts I've ever done. Hell yeah! Absolutely. Are we gonna do so, a sign off? Yeah. How do so, we dude, end it? dude, How do you end the podcast? I don't. I don't really. I don't really have like a, a specific thing I do. All right, like, fans. Do you... I want you to drop us a comment. I want you to let me know how you want us to finish out the podcast. Well, hang on, hang we on. We got hang Ryan on. and Josh. We got Memphis. We're in the USA. America's yeah. birthday was yesterday. I drank a whole bunch of beers for you. You're welcome. You're fucking welcome, dude. You're welcome, America, because. America lives and dies by the Ryan Tidwells and the Josh Bovers. Perfect. Signing out. Signing out. Peace. Peace. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Dude, tell them how to follow your stuff or like if you want to do some I'm marketing. I'm a band. If you have Instagram, go find St. Paul's Funeral. I think it's St. Paul. What's the? Hold on. Okay. Hang on. We're holding on. Hang on. I'm looking up the exact user. One moment, please. St. Paul's S-T-P-A-U-L-S underscore funeral. It's my current band. Should have an EP out relatively soon, I think. And yeah. Dude. I want to start... My goal for the next five years is to get a a writing published. Dude, fuck yeah, man. Dude, we're also working at... I'm writing about currently... As just a, a writer mm-hmm. writing about marriage, mm-hmm. um, and my dog. Dude, we can collaborate on this, man. We'll we'll put together really, something. Really want to put something out. Yeah, dude. So cool. I follow up with All you right. Well, that. dude. Thanks again, man, for doing this. Peace. Appreciate it. All right. Peace, guys.